Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesday, best night of the week. DJ had this kind of grooving old school that was, techno that, something. It was techno funk or techno something. Funk. That was, was, was kind of, I felt like I was clubbing when uh, we were coming in here. <laughs> that's our version of that. Oh. We got some waters and and some techno. That's that's clubbing for us. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler were the wise guys. It's great to be back with you. And uh, we encourage you to let us know where you're streaming with us from, from around the world. Also on ysguys.com. we got a great show. You just got in from... Los Angeles. Tell me it was cooler in Los Angeles than it's here in Utah. LA is a funny place. Uh, you know, we think about the big changes in temperatures when you drive from here to St. George, but that's from Provo to St. George, three and a half hour drive, right? But we, we were in Valencia yesterday. Yeah. It was 101 degrees. In 25 minutes, we drove up and over the hill and down toward the coast. We got to Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills, it was 72. Nice. That's. Like almost thirty Isn't point swing in a twenty five minute drive. As the temperature drops, the real estate goes up. Yes, it does. And <laughs> we were so happy to be in seventy two. Um, we we took a day just to have some fun with all of our adult kids, and we went to Magic Mountain yesterday. How was it? It's a crazy. That's old place. school going Magic that's, Mountain. That's like don't take little kids to Magic Mountain. You got to take big kids because every roller coaster is gigantic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it. It's crazy. You could just go one after the other. I, I didn't. I, I was not very participate. I was a good. I rooted everybody. I'm on. not a great roller coaster no. rider, but I'm a supporter. I rooted everybody on. But I, I think all in all, our kids. I think they rode ten different roller coasters. Wow. Big, nasty, crazy no one, ones. No one lost their lunch. Yeah, it was. People got. There was in the middle of the day. A few of them had to take a break on a bench in the shade for a minute. One time at California. Had to have a pause. At California Adventure, we were on that big um, Ferris wheel. Yeah. That rolls backwards when it stops. Oh, yeah. 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 That wasn't pleasant for me. Hey. I was just like, one time I'm like, oh, no. Did and then it was, I didn't, didn't but no, I wanted didn't. to. But then the, the ride still went on for like five more minutes. See, that's the problem. I, I don't like I, that. I just have bad memories, so I don't participate that much. Back when I was a teenager at the Chemung County Fair in, in, in New York, I, I was on the rock and roll. I remember the ride. This is how traumatic this was for me. Right when I rocked and the guys across from us rolled above us, the guy threw up all over us, <laughs> all over me on the ride. And I kept, I kept yelling every time we came around by the ride guy. I was like, "Dude, you got to stop this ride! This guy just threw up!" Like I, I must have said that six times as we came around, and he didn't hear me or didn't care. <laughs> That's awful. So it was not good. That's that, a nightmare. They make movies out of that kind of stuff. That ruins a day. That'll ruin your day at the fair. That'll ruin every roller coaster the and, rest and, of and my I life. And I have to say that I've been I've been hesitant ever since. <laughs> so I don't I don't doubt that. Gray says, uh, "Hey, it's hot in Texas." Robbie's saying, "Texas record heat." Uh, Grace is saying, "We're looking uh, looking good, making the summer." Uh, it, it, it 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 we're in that dog days, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just hot. And, and, and they're saying that it sounds like the roller coaster did its job. To be honest, <laughs> that's not its job. So. We got a great show 
Two hours of, uh, of glorious stuff tonight. And we're going to we're focusing on tickets went on sale today for the Notre Dame game in Las Vegas. Uh, what you need to know as uh, you try to find some seats for that October 8th game at Allegiant Stadium. Prices are all high everywhere. And uh, we're going to get into that. We'll have some comments from Brian Santiago, who was on yep. Sports Nation earlier this week on BYU TV. He brought a couple of quotes there, and we'll break that thing down. There's some people that just want to scream and yell that, that this game's in Vegas, but We'll explain why it's in Vegas, and, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, and Notre but that Dame, doesn't Notre make Dame, everyone happy. Notre Dame's controlling it. We're going to get into it a little bit here, but when you're upset about the pricing, this is face value pricing is high. Yeah. But that's Notre Dame's, and it runs runs all of this. And we'll, we'll tell you all about that, where you can get tickets, give you a range of the price. Yeah. We'll, we'll just tease it with this. Bring your wallet and your credit card yeah. when, you're, when you're ready to buy tickets. So Hey, the 17th governor of the state of Utah and former Orem High School Golden Tiger quarterback Gary Herbert is live in our studio. Among the topics, why sports is so important in our lives. Yeah, and we and I'm I'm telling you, we could have the we could have the governor here for three hours and cover a variety of topics. We have to just pick our yeah. our top ones here. We'll have to bring him back another. He's going to go old school with some stories. So, Not so, to say that he is old. It's just going to go old school on so, on a couple and, of stories. And, and we've we've talked, um, and and uh, the governor and I were talking a couple weeks ago about how important sports is to the fabric of society, and especially here in the state of Utah. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of that with him in just a bit. Also, BYU football and BYU TV is on our docket. Sports coordinating producer David Phillips is going to join us a bit later on. What do things look like uh, this year that's a little different? And what could they look like when BYU joins the Big 12 as far as broadcasting goes? So we're going to talk to David Phillips, who's also our boss. So we thought it'd be smart to have him on our show. Yep. It's no, we're good. Not, we weren't born yesterday. No, and, and I, we have had a ton of questions about what happens to BYU TV when you go into the Big 12. Are things going to be different? Are they the same? Are there, is there more? Is there less? Well, that's what we've got. We've got David on. He's going to help us uh, figure out all of that in, in our conversation with him later. And speaking of the Big 12, the football media days are over. So what did we learn? And what's next as we anticipate BYU's first Big 12 schedule to be released in October, which is now just just a couple of months away? It's wild. I mean, we know their preseason schedule. We'll do that. We're going to talk about that more. But the other day on Sports Nation, I had to put together my um, my schedule, like what, what I would have the schedule be. For the Big 12? For the first year in the Big 12 yeah. if I was making the schedule. And what I discovered was that's a hard thing to do. I, I Like, who do you not play – and, and it's different if you're coming at it from a fan's perspective. If I'm a fan, I want them to play all the big-name difficult teams. If I'm one of the coaches, I I don't know that I want that. I want the schedule so that I have the toughest teams after a bye. I don't want to play back-to-back road games. Maybe I don't want to play Baylor and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the same year. Yeah. You know? yep. and when so, you're 7-5, and five, it's too late to think that through. Yeah, and so it, based on perspective, I did it from a fan's perspective. I'll share it with you later, what I put, what schedule I put together for the Cougs. All right, let's roll into our countdowns. You ready? Yeah, let's do Why this. Why don't you take us? Okay, seven days until the return of after further review. Just seven days. Uh, We've been counting that thing down yeah, all year. an hour-long special on Tyler Algiers' run into history. That's next Tuesday, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain, on the BYU TV app. We'll get it going, and then we'll be doing that thing every Tuesday until the end of football season. You just and I before and our Nixon. show. Yeah. Just before an all-new Wise Guys. Looking yeah, forward this, to that. This is available to stream um, right right at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Yeah. Um, and that will run you an hour. And then you can just stay right there and just join us on our live stream here right at 6 to 8. So that if you takes want care of Tuesday. Three hours of us on Tuesday. But remember, if Tuesday's not working out, that's not a problem. 
because both after further review and the Wise Guys show, you can find it on YouTube. You can you can wherever your your normal podcasts are. You can listen to it in your car as a podcast. Download it and listen to it. So. It, this isn't your only shot. If if you're busy on Tuesday night, we still want you to join us in other ways. You just can't it's interact. The kind of guys we are. It's the kind of guys we are. You just can't interact uh, no. as much. This so. is the beauty of, of of Tuesday night. You can you can get after us a little bit. How about 15 days until the Cougars report to fall camp on August 3rd? 15 days before we see guys over at the practice field. By the way, they got it all mowed. It's as green as can be. They just painted the lines over at the student athletic building for the practice facility field looks fantastic. This is, you know, you think about it. This is when the players and the coaches, and I happen to know a coach, so yeah. they start to get in a little bit of a panic. Not because they're not ready. They know they're ready. They've been working hard all summer. They're like, wait, I'm ready to go. That's not what I panic about. Life changes as they know it in oh, yeah. 15 days. So they're thinking, oh, you know what I haven't done? I haven't, I haven't played golf enough yet this summer. <laughs> or we were going to go up and do this hike. I haven't done that yet. And so all of a sudden you're trying to cram everything in because you know in 15 days. It's over. That's over literally until the end of spring ball next spring if, if, if you're not a senior. And, and if you are a senior and you're, you know, you're Clark Barrington or you're, maybe you're a junior and you're Jaron Hall and you're probably going to go out this year or you're, you know, a bunch of these guys are NFL guys. Yeah. Um, for those guys, it doesn't end for a long, long time after that. So these 15 days, they're exciting for us as we count them down. For the players and coaches, they're in a panic to get everything in they can possibly get in to fit into summer because summer ends in 15 days. 46 days until the season opener at South Florida and 53 days until the home opener against Baylor. And there's an NFL countdown we're also watching. Absolutely. Tyler Algier actually reported to Falcons training camp today. It's big news. And, boy, all of the stories coming out of Atlanta is they have plans for our guy Tyler Algier, yeah, like he, we may see him in that starting rotation. You might want to draft him on your fantasy yep. team. Yep. That's I, that's how I serious think, they are. I think he's uh, going to be an integral part of what, of what they do. So Neil Powell also reported to Buffalo just a, a couple days ago, this or yesterday on yeah. Monday. So Neil Powell is there. I just saw him the other day as well. Taysom Hill, Zach Wilson, seven days away from reporting to their camps, along with a handful of other Cougars around the NFL, and sixteen days until the Jaguars and Raiders actually kick off the preseason. August 4th on NBC, and then football doesn't go away until the Super Bowl. And Zach, my understanding, Zach, I was actually supposed to get together with Zach this week, and uh, they wanted him back earlier. They said, listen, we'd come a week early. Let's work on some stuff. So he's actually back in New York. He left for New York, and they're going to get tuned up and ready to go. So he's already he's already back and engaged. He's got a lot of expectations with the Jets. He was supposed to, like, I'm in a panic, too, because our life changes as well. And he was supposed to play golf this Thursday with us, and he can't because he is back in New York. Zach's so. life kind of changed when he went to Idaho a couple yeah, weeks ago, exactly and right. things got a little crazy. Here are the headlines tonight on this Tuesday on the Wise Guys. Tickets for BYU-Notre Dame in Las Vegas, they're on sale right now to Cougar Club members. They'll have a chance to buy tickets through Thursday at a variety of levels, limited number for each person. If there are any left, they'll go on sale to the general public on Friday. BYU's allotment for that game, we've heard as much as 10,000 up to 15,000, then we've heard less than that. I know your your wife Brenda was online looking around yep. for tickets today. There are no cheap tickets. Like if you're going, "Hey, maybe I'll find a I, I think we saw the last row yep. in Allegiant State the very for top row. 195 bucks a that, seat. That's right. And anything down close to the, like a good seat, $400 is what we were seeing. Now that's and that's not resale. That's on the Notre Dame website. Yeah. So 
Um, and it'll be interesting to see what BYU's are, are priced at, but they're going to have to go with whatever Notre Dame decides to price them at. They're going to be face value, um, but depending on where you want to sit, sit uh, that's going to be a tough one. That's, I saw a couple of tweets of people going, I got my seats, but there's going to be a lot more yeah. this week of we, I didn't get my seats. Can we call it weeping and wailing and we, gnashing oh, teeth? Yeah, yeah, there's going to be a lot of that going this the week. The place only seats 65,000, which is a lot. Last year, BYU put in 54,000 for the Arizona game. And there were some Arizona fans in there, but it was mostly BYU. But um, this is a game that could be at the Rose Bowl. Uh, right. But it's going to be 65000 and so more people want to get in than have seats, so the price just goes right yeah, up. That's what happens. And and so everybody always calls us, hey, do you have a hookup for tickets? I know it. Which we sometimes do. We sometimes but do. But not in a, not not in a situation time. like this where Notre Dame com, you know, controls the tickets. They're the home team. Um, and so we just have no access. So, so guess what Brenda's doing tomorrow? She's getting online. We're we're legacy donors uh, to the Cougar Club. Not ashamed to say that. So, but and we're at a level where we don't even get to buy today. We get to buy tomorrow. Right. Um, and we have a limited number of tickets. We can only get six like tickets. Six. Yeah, and we've got way more family. And I hope you them. can get them because they've 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 kind of spread it out to where uh, all levels. And there will even be some offered to the general public, but there won't be very many. Yeah. But it's not like one group like today's A-listers can't just buy them all. Right. Or they would. They would. Uh, and the same no, thing there, for tomorrow and through the week. There's going to be some left for the general public. I'm telling you, there'll be some. But, but be prepared to, to pay through the nose. Pay. So, so even even coaches, you know, so Gavin, my, my youngest is a coach, my youngest son. They get four tickets, but they have to buy them. Like, people don't understand that even coaches, even at BYU, the coaches have to buy their tickets. Players get comped for tickets. Coaches have to buy home tickets. Wow. They, get, they get up to four, and they take it out of their, their check, which I think is nonsense, honestly. That I think that nonsense. needs to be fixed. They should fix that. That needs to be fixed. But. So this BYU-Notre Dame series, and the hubbub is this. Remember back on September 1st, 2010, mm-hmm. BYU announces they're going independent in football, and they announce a six-game series with Notre Dame. It's going to start with two games in South Bend and one in Provo. So the two games happened, 2012, 2013. We were back there for both of them. Right. Uh, the game in Provo never happens. And then time moves on. Notre Dame gets hooked up with the ACC for four or five games a year. Um, the second Two for one, that goes away. That just flat out disappeared. But Notre Dame said all along, we're we, we going to honor, we owe BYU a home game, we're going to honor that. But the last few years, they stopped saying home game, and they said, we we're going to honor BYU a game. a game. Right. And so, and all of a sudden, it pops up in Las Vegas. Now, a lot of fans are mad, feeling like uh, BYU got jilted here of a home game. Tennessee didn't want to come here, so they paid $2 million to get out. We're fine with that, I guess. You know, hey, that was the contract. There it is. There's the penalty. We moved on. There's really no weeping on well, that Well, and with the schedule, the way it is, not, they didn't need Tennessee on that schedule. The weird thing with this one is it's BYU-Notre Dame. Nobody's seeing that contract. Right. Right? These are two private schools. Right. No one knows how much Notre Dame is paying BYU to go to Vegas. But we do know this. They are paying BYU to go play them in Vegas. I have an inkling, and you do as well, that, that perhaps this game financially is worth more to BYU to go to Vegas than a home game would have even been. Funny do, you do, are you feeling that, that? Are you feeling that? Here's what Brian, because of who you talk to? You here's what Brian Santiago said on Sports Nation yesterday. I asked him this question. Is it safe to assume that this is a Notre, game, Notre Dame home game 
and they are paying BYU to play in Vegas, are they paying enough that would offset a buyout of a home game? So it makes it a wash in the end. And here's his answer, quote, affirmative. It's actually very beneficial for us financially to play this game in Las Vegas. Notre Dame has been very generous. Remember that word. They've been very generous to us. And we're getting the game, which is why I give Tom Homo kudos in our estimation. It's a double benefit for us. Financially, very viable to play the game. Notre Dame is very generous. And we are actually playing a game in a place where we're comfortable playing. I think the direction the game was headed with the change going on in college athletics that we play the game now in Vegas or not get the game. Right on. So what do you do? You say, hey, Notre Dame, you owe us. We're going to take our ball and go home. We want nothing to do with you and schedule somebody else, right? a G5. No, and and here's the thing. I think Notre Dame probably came back to them and said, listen, you're in the Big 12 now. So this this now gets as difficult for you – as it has been for us to honor that agreement when we went into the scheduling agreement with the ACC. And see, Notre Dame, not only do they have the scheduling agreement with the ACC, they, they have a long-term and long-standing tradition with Stanford and with USC. So they play those teams every year. So, so now you're locked in with their ACC. And they don't have that many games that they can play. And frankly, if would you want to play BYU? If you're, if you're playing a schedule loaded with 10 basic P5 Type, do you want to add an 11th or a 12th? No one's doing that. Nobody's doing that. And no. so so now I think Notre Dame probably comes and says, listen, now you know what we're talking about because you're in the Big 12 and you're looking down the road. And this is, you know we're never going to be able to figure this thing out. And we really don't want to go right. there. So how about this? We've got the Shamrock Series in Vegas. We'll pay you, and it sounds like affirmative, very beneficial, very, very right. beneficial, mm-hmm. very beneficial. Those are the words used, right? Sounds to me like, hey, we're, you know, we'll take care of you financially. And, yes, Notre Dame's going to have more fans just because they control the tickets. Right. But, but BYU is very comfortable in Vegas. There'll be a ton of fans there supporting you. It'll be, it'll be a good environment. I, hey, kudos to Notre Dame, actually. For Tom, for getting them to do it, and for Notre Dame to say, in some way, shape, or form, we'd like to honor this agreement. Because they could have so sent this, a this check and yeah. put their nose up in the air Notre and then Dame went could, and played Vegas. Notre Dame could pay it off and just go the other way, and they didn't. Now, so. Lean Weber's uh, has chimed in on the show said called the ticket office today byu got the sections and prices related to byu the cheapest section 406 and 409 100 140 dollars a ticket now that's way up there uh 140 ticket that's pretty good compared to what we've heard best tickets in sections 106 107 for 300 a ticket most of the other sections are northeast corner because notre dame only gave them sections to work with not just hey you take this side uh, northeast corner of the stadium or north end zone. I think that's where the band was for the yeah, Arizona yeah. game between 200 and 250 So, so the question piece. I have is 106 and 107, we're not looking at a map. Are 106 and 107 lower concourse, field side seats for three? I think anything, I don't know. Brian said that anything down low was going to be between four and 500 bucks. Yeah. But that was his, but they just went on sale today, so... So the ticket prices might be just a little bit different than what he thought he was going to see yesterday. But it's going to be a tough one. We're excited because Countdown to Kickoff is going to be there for two hours before the game. So we'll give you everything we can Yeah, I'm looking, from I'm, inside. I'm looking up the stadium map because I want to see where 106 and 107 are. But, um, and, and, you know, it's, and, and if BYU is 5-0 and the Irish are 5-0, if BYU's beaten Baylor 
and oh, Oregon, man. and Notre Dame has beaten Ohio State. Honestly, BYU's five and zero going that. into that, and Notre Dame's five and zero. You'd be really, really nice to have those tickets really, because because <laughs> they're going to be worth a lot the more gonna keep, than the three hundred. Keep going up. So I'm looking for one hundred six and one hundred seven on here. It says here that lower bowl in the corner. And oh yeah, oh six and oh seven is. You can see that, Dave. That's that's, that's a, where the band was last yeah, year. Yeah, that's low. That's lower bowl court. I, okay. Like you, I don't think. Can we zoom in far enough to? I don't think we can. DJ. Let's just imagine the corner of that area where the band yeah, that's was the, that's last the, I year. I don't know if you guys can, but it's the. If, if I'm, they're not great if, if seats, I'm, if I'm looking at the but field like this, it's the corner across um, from from where BYU's bench was the last time they played down there. It, at least it's a seat inside, yeah. and and that's yeah. the cheapest we've heard. Notre Dame's using a lottery system for their fans. Uh, they got more fans that want to get to this game that can get tickets as well, and and so this is how this is how it's going down. Yep. Since we were here together last, uh, BYU announced Sam Houston State to be the home opener. That's right. Next September, that replaces the Tennessee game. Speaking of Tennessee, so it's their first game as an FBS. So, right. then, so it's an FBS with Sam Houston, FCS with Southern Utah, and then at Arkansas, which triggers a run of ten straight P five opponents. Right. And and their bye is not until late in the season, until November, right? Yeah. So that's 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 tough, but um, yeah. But that's, that's it. Instead, it was going to be gauntlet. great with Tennessee, it's, but it's a gauntlet. You get two million bucks and Sam Houston State. Well, and th- and think about the schedule this next season. Oregon's ranked in almost every single preseason poll. Uh, Baylor, Baylor is, is ranked yeah. is ranked in every single preseason poll. Notre, Notre Dame. Dame's in the top ten in every single poll, and up as high as four and five in a bunch of them. And Arkansas's. In quite a few polls. Uh, now, the good news is BYU is is coming in ranked in most of these polls as well. So, that's this schedule, when it's all said and done, we, you never know until they go out and play because, you know, Arkansas may lay an egg, Notre Dame may lay an egg. For instance, Baylor last year, nobody had Baylor win in the Big 12 last year, right? So, right. you just don't know when you start the season. But on paper to start the season, this looks like the toughest schedule BYU's ever played this yeah. coming season. Good thing you got a veteran quarterback and a bunch of big old nasties up front. Let's talk about that. And DJ, can you bring the governor over and we'll have him take a seat? Want to give a shout out to the mom of Jinman and Lil Jimin, a new subscriber on our Twitch channel. Welcome to the Wise Guys, and thank you for for all of your support. You know what we want? Yes, that's awesome. We'll mom take of Jinman and Lil Jinman. Speaking of uh, what you mentioned a moment ago, Jaron Hall today named to the Davey O'Brien Award watch list as the nation's best quarterback. Also this week, he was named to the Maxwell Award watch list. This goes to college football's most outstanding player. Ty Detmer won that in 1990, the same year he won the Heisman Trophy. And uh, you see portions there of Governor Gary Herbert, and we're going to show the entire and help him get frame in here, here, right where we needed him to be. Clark Barrington been named to the Sporting News Preseason All-America Second Team and the Lindy's Sports Preseason All-America Second Team. He's 6'6", 302 pounds. He's now on four preseason All-America lists. And, um, and that takes us to the countdown to kickoff announcement. Yeah, BYU TV's countdown to kickoff is expanding to two hours pregame um, for every show this coming season, uh, beginning with that September 3rd opener at South Florida. So C2K starts at 2 Eastern, noon Mountain, uh, with the Cougars and Bulls kicking off at 4 Eastern, 2 Mountain on ESPNU. 
Um, we're going to have David Phillips, BYU's coordinating yeah. producer um, for, for all sports. He's going to join us later. We're going to talk about that. But it traditionally has been an hour-long pregame show with with a two-hour shows occasionally, like for a Utah game or a big game. But we're going to a two-hour format, format for every game, home or away. Um, and it sounds like, and we'll, we'll ask David for more. We don't even know the full extent of it. Like, we're going on the road. We're taking the show on the road a Take, bunch more. We're taking the show on the road. It's then gonna, we're out with the fans. It's going to be a college game day atmosphere. So It's going to be dangerous. Yep. We're going to take the governor with us. Yeah, you're always welcome on the show, by the way. So. You guys are having way too much fun, and, and I hope you're making money doing this. <laughs> we're going to. <laughs> That's the idea. Gary Herbert served as the governor of the state of Utah between 2009 and 2021. That's a long run. Before that, he was Utah's lieutenant governor between 2005 and 2009. For 14 years before that, he served on the Utah County Commission, served in the Utah National Guard, attended BYU, served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And before all of that, he was a quarterback, the point guard, and the pitcher for the Orem High School Golden Tigers. Welcome to the Wise Guys on the week of Pioneer Day. It's good to have you here. Well, it's great to be with you guys, and I'm just uh, grinning at all the things you're talking about here. and. Uh, it's like we're just hanging out at the Arctic Circle and having a hamburger and talking sports. I was thinking today, uh, as we talked on the phone and, and we were going over some of this stuff, um, you're playing quarterback up the street at Orem High School about seven years before Lavelle got the job at BYU. If you'd come a little bit later, oh, yes. or Lavelle got here a little bit earlier, instead of Gary Scheide, would we, would we be talking about Gary Herbert? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. It, uh, in my wildest dreams... Uh, my coach was Udell Westover, who's a great coach. He passed away here a few years ago, but just a, a wonderful coach and did a great job at Orm High School. And I know he used to say every time I put Herbert in, the Humane Society would call up because I only weighed 135 pounds. <laughs> uh, so I was pretty small. That was back in the days when, you know, where you lived is where you played. Right. There wasn't this hopping around Not stuff. stacking of teams and everybody moving around, getting the super teams out there. So... Orm High, through the 60s and through the 70s, had a really great tradition in football and basketball and baseball, but football particularly, we were pretty strong. Uh, as a Golden Tiger myself, Blaine played high school football in New York and was a big shot, but as a, as a Golden <laughs> Tiger myself, I noticed there were no state championships during that Herbert run, but you were close in football we in actually, consecutive actually my, seasons. That, that's not true. So you've got what? to go back and check your data. Yes. Uh, Let's, in 62-63, we won the state championship when I was a sophomore. I did most of my cheerleading, <laughs> you know, from uh, So off, wait a second. So you're claiming that title, even well, though hey, you didn't play until the next school. year. I was in school okay. there. I worked on the shock <laughs> teams, helped them get ready for the games. I was kind of the Rudy Rudiger, you know, of Orm High School football. You were the not the Rudy Rudiger. You no. had a major role you, you in all as, of that stuff. My guess is, too, when you weren't pitching, you were probably playing shortstop or one of the Third other. Third base. See, there you go. Hot corner. So They used to say if my uh, chest would hold up, I'd field a 1,000. So, <laughs> I love it. So, I, I played baseball. I actually probably baseball is my best sport. Although basketball, I was pretty good. I just a little small. You so know? you're you're in the huddle. Let's go back. Yeah, I'm sure you can remember. It was just a couple years ago. Oh yes. You're in the huddle. You're playing in the snow. I think it's the state semifinals up at uh, I don't know if it was Highland. Judge Memorial. Judge Memorial. And, and we played Highland my junior year. Junior we played year. Judge Memorial my senior year. Yeah, and and in the snow, and lost by the freakish of all plays. We lost to Highland uh, on a block punt, six to nothing, and they were really a great team, and they've been listed as one of the best 
teams in Utah history. Yeah. And uh, the Jackson Twins, which you all know here, mm -hmm. uh, the orthopedic surgeons, and Stu Simpson, who's passed away, was their quarterback. And they just had a really deep team. We were, you know, uh, as far as numbers, they had like three deep in every position. We, were, we had people going both ways at Orm High. Uh, we competed with them, and six to nothing, we lost. And I think we were the second best team in the state that year. And then the next year was um, special Judge, teams. Judge Memorial, uh, we doubled them on total offense, but our kicker <laughs> pulled his groin. Oh no! And, and so we we missed the extra points because you had a what a freshman come in. Well, yes, I, it, but it was, to, it was not his fault. It was the fact that the guy got hurt. They yeah. our regular kicker. We they finally brought in the freshman. And it was just the pressure was pretty bad. He kicked it left over the left tackle and about uh, didn't even rectum an analysis with the football. <laughs> but it was a bad kick. But we we lost thirteen to twelve. Oh. And, uh, and we should have been. Has the pain ever gone away from? You know, you like never that? forget some of those things, <laughs> yeah, I mean, on it. And you guys keep bringing it up. So you know, and you every time you I, I bump into right? the Jackson Twins, they say, "Remember that game?" <laughs> oh no! You know, I mean that's been back in nineteen sixty four. Yeah, and they're just, still rubbing it in. Just the other day. Do you day. still? Like, I still remember plays, but not quite that long. Do you still remember plays from the, those games? Oh yes. Isn't that amazing yeah. how sports? Well, just, you golf with your what? Your receiver, Ron Hawkins. Ron yeah. Hawkins. Your running back. Receiver, running back Tom Whitaker. Yeah. And um, yeah, we played. So, you golf with us too, but these are old school guys. Guy Robert Bingham, who led the state in in yards per carry, played our fullback. We had a unique play. Um, uh, Laryl Fackrell was our center, made all state because we had a pulling center. It was a unique play. What does that mean? It means he, rather than the guards pulling, the tackle pulling, the center pulled and led the, the sweep. And, uh, and Robert Bingham led the state in uh, carries, average per carry, yards per carry. And Laryl Fackrell made all state because of that one play. As, as a center. Hey, you know, you know who would pull the center? is Coastal Carolina. Which is really, really unusual. And that game that BYU played back there, right. they run this midline option, and they would pull that really small, really athletic center and get him out in front, and he was just eating people up on the edge. They got back in the day. Yeah, hey, we started it's from that. back in the day. We started yeah. that. We invented True that pioneers. Play. Yes, yeah. it is. It's, actually, Laryl, I, I bumped into him here last Christmas. Uh, he, he plays Santa Claus. If you go to the mall and see a Santa Claus there, good chance it's Laryl Fackrell, the All State Center from. Orm High's Golden Tigers of 1965. So if you if if, <laughs> if we send our grandkids to sit on the lap and say, hey, Santa, were you a pulling center ever, that yeah, kind of day? Oh, yeah, let me tell you how it worked. <laughs> he'll, he'll remember that. It, isn't, it, isn't it fun, though? So, you know, we get to play with you and Ron once in a while and your old teammates. Um, how sports brings us together. What is it about sports that all these years later, those guys you played with, they're still brothers, and you still keep that contact? You know, Ron Hawkins, Robert Bingham, and I have known each other since we played Pee Wee League Baseball when we were seven or eight years of age. Wow. That's a long time ago. That is a long time. And we do have a lot of memories. Uh, and, uh, you know, sports, we just had fun. Uh, we're, we're just pre-starting uh, about when they invented Little League. Mm -hmm. Before that was Sandlot. You remember the movie Sandlot? Yeah, yeah oh, yeah. And, you know, we just gather on the corner and find a field and play some ball. We used to go out and play football. On the old football field at Lincoln Junior High. This is School. when kids used to play outside. I play outside, not yeah. not video games. <laughs> right, and uh, we just we, the competition was fun. We wanted to excel. Uh, for me, I was pretty shy actually when I was young, but sports, I could compete, and, and, and it was kind of the way I interacted socially, particularly when I got into high school in those teenage years yeah. when it's a little more uh, difficult. 
But uh, sports are just a great thing that we all can enjoy, whether you're a participant or whether you're a fan. Uh, and there's a sport for everybody. Yeah. You know, I've taken up golf when I was 42. I took up tennis when I was 28. And I love both of those sports. They, you know, those are sports for a lifetime. Pickleball's <laughs> next for you. Sounds like you're I, on the trajectory. I, I've got a pickleball court in my backyard, but I'm still <laughs> into tennis. Yeah. And uh, it's, pickleball is the fastest growing sport for those over 50. And uh, so you guys probably are getting close to qualifying. Oh, man. Uh, I'm there. We're knocking on the door. I, I just learned how to keep score. It's the that other or day. the live tour. Like I, it's, it's like 2-2-1. Two, two, I was like, what are you guys even talking about? 2-2-1. Two, two, You're well, the second server, and it's 2-1. to one. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's confusing, but it's easier to play. You don't have to chase the ball as far. Yes. Yeah. And everybody can play and have a good time. Golf is good because you can play against the course. You know, you can right. play with Johnny Miller, and, and you can play yourself, and and you're, it's you against the course. We play with Dan Forsman a lot. Yeah, the, Dan, he's the best great. player out there. Uh, Johnny and Linda are coming into town to come to the rodeo. Oh, yeah? Is that right? July rodeo. Yeah, we're that's, going to be uh, up to the... That's fantastic. good stuff. So, uh, you know, just, uh, who knew that Johnny Miller liked rodeo? That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, uh, I just it. thought he liked golf. Yeah. I just, I just ran into Billy Casper's sweet wife the other day uh, at, at dinner and or at brunch, and uh, we were we were reliving... Some of the memories, you know, I got to play with Billy a few times, and I feel like Billy's like the most underrated golfer in the history of the game. No question. I, I played with him at Riverside here a few years. He did a, a couple of um, benefits for me at some fundraising we did when I was governor on a golf fundraiser. And he'd come out and do a demonstration, you know, and give a clinic and stuff. But I played with him. He was probably 79, 80 years of age at the time at Riverside. And he shot about a 71 oh. or 72. He was unbelievable. He, did, he didn't hit it as far, you know. Uh, but he got up and down. It yeah. didn't matter where he was at, he got up and down. Great guy. Just a really, uh, you know, the big three in me, the book. I don't know if you've read that. But uh, uh, as Jack Nicholas said in the in the foreword, that it should have been the big four. It should have been a quartet, not a trio. Yeah. yeah. They, those three all had, so we're talking about Gary Player, um, and Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer all had the same agent who did a phenomenal job yeah. of publicizing <clears throat> them and getting all that out there. And so they had all kinds of deals and were in the limelight. And Billy was just quietly winning golf tournaments left and right and majors and all those things, but never really was out in the limelight like like those three. And you could, he, arguably he was as good as any of them. He, for a stretch there, for probably about a two-year stretch, he was the best. Yeah. yeah. With exception of Jack, like Jack, of course, but you could you could put him right up there with Arnie. And you know, it's uh, he told me he says one of the biggest mistakes I made was not going with the same agents that did Arnold Palmer, Jack yeah. Nicholson, Gary Player. He had a guy that came to him and says, "You're going to get lost in the shuffle. I'll just handle you exclusively." <laughs> Big mistake. Oh, Big mistake. One thing we love about this show is the uh, is the uh, opportunity for honesty. So when you're the governor as a BYU guy and you got to go up to the U to those Utah football games. Oh. As the governor representing the state and all that stuff, was it hard to be impartial? You know, it's like having children. Uh, do you have a favorite child? I think we all have favorites, but we never <laughs> we never admit it. Well, that may be the way it is with your family, but in my family, I love them all equally. Right. And as the governor, I uh, talked about being very ecumenical. Uh, again, anything that promotes the state of Utah and puts us in a good light, I'm for and we have some great institutions. Some are larger, some are smaller. And uh, certainly the University of Utah and that rivalry. Uh, yeah. Again, I, we've got a new president up there, uh, President Randall. 
And uh, I think that the relationships as they ought to be between the two schools ought to be one of intense competition but mutual respect. And, and I think uh, with who we have in place, that can happen. That ought to happen. And uh, so I've, I've tried not to put any kerosene on the fire. Uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, I have, have children that have went to the University of Utah, All-Americans. My son-in-law is a baseball player. Then my brother was an all-whack second baseman at the University of Utah. My son was a uh, graduating engineering MBA. You know, I've had that. And my daughter-in-law is the valedictorian at the University of Utah. My sons played tennis at BYU. I went to BYU, so you said in law Ben Cahoon, big ben Cahoon, BYU guy, big BYU guy, one of the best receivers of all time, nicknamed Velcro hands because the ball just seemed to stick to his hands. And if he'd had any, you know, he was five foot nine with oh, two man. pairs of socks, Mister Canadian Football. Yeah, and uh, he just got back. They just had just coincidentally uh, a week ago they honored one of the Grey Cup teams that he played on, and uh, he's still a big hero up there. And yeah. uh, it's uh, the, he was the one to bring in the Grey Cup at the end after they announced all the team members and big ovation. They stood in line for an hour and a half to get his autograph. That's nice. So he's a Hall of Famer up there, yeah. right? Yeah. I think he's a Hall yeah, of Famer. Hall of Famer there. retired his number. He and is a, leading receiver of all time when he retired. Yep, yeah, in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, he was. We used to say. He he can catch it so good. He can catch BBs in the dark. That's when you can catch BBs in the dark. You can pretty much catch anything. And that was Ben Cahoon. So yeah, he just go get it. It was really really fun to watch. So such with, a good 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 guy too. He and Kim are a fantastic power couple. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about college football realignment, and there's an opportunity that could happen that could send Utah to the Big Twelve, and um, that would put them in the same league as, as BYU. Some things would have to happen, but there's actually a possibility for that, uh, probably more so than any of the other scenarios that are floating out there. Would you like to see these two back in the same conference at a power five or whatever we're going to call it level? I would. I think that there's really significant benefit to those two powerhouses competing and continue to compete. Coach Kyle Whittingham is a good friend of mine, and uh, we've golfed and played tennis together. He's a tennis player, uh, and he's done a great job up there at the University of Utah for their football program. So this kind of disintegration we see, uh, that maybe not the right terminology, but this breakup of the Pac-12 has got to cause a little concern for him and his future and what they're doing there at the University of Utah. Uh, hearing you talk about the ticket prices and what's happening, you yeah. know, the old phrase, it's all about the Benjamins. Mm-hmm comes into play here because I think it is really about money, uh, maybe too much about the money and what's happened with these realignments of the the different conferences and people jumping from here to there because they're going to get more money. The old idea of having regions t- together you know, with our ability to travel with airlines and all, it's an extra hour travel to go to yeah. more to the Midwest. And so that's not the obstacle it once was. But I'm very concerned about – the money that's being infused into college athletics now. NIL type. Name, likeness, name image, likeness. Is, yeah. I think I'm, I'm very jaundiced and skeptical about what the outcome of that's going to be. I think donors are going to start looking to donate directly to players and not to the universities. Right. Um, the rich will get richer. You know, we already have heard about multi-million dollar deals. For yeah, a $9.5 million deal for a high school quarterback to attend – the University of Miami. I mean, it's, it's, um, and, he, and it sounds like he turned down an $11 million deal at Florida to take the Miami deal. Never played a down of college football in his life. Well, you know what's going to happen out of that, Blaine, is that pretty soon the pros are going to say, let's start drafting high school players. Yeah, that would be a yeah. shame. 
No, and develop them sure. under their watch. Absolutely, and, and get them in the in the pipeline. You know, Major League Baseball, the similar types of things. So, yeah. uh, NFL football is going to probably come up the same kind of thing. And you know, you've got arena football and European football and CFL and other ways you can kind of groom people. So I, I'm a little concerned about that, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. And and I'm a little bit concerned and skeptical. I, I hate to see that because I watch how college and that college experience changes the lives of young, in football's case, young men. Um, but college athletics in any sport, young men and young women come in and they grow so much and they become such a better functioning member of society. They learn how to be on a team. They learn how to sacrifice. They learn how to be disciplined. They learn so many things, but they also learn to be off on their own and to to, to be in an environment where they're doing it just to better themselves, not because somebody's paying them $9 million. You take that college experience away. I think you take a lot of away um, from these young these young people. I really do. I hate that idea. I, the college experience, you know, we all have, have appreciated our associations and uh, cheering for the team, the home team, you know, let your colors fly, as the Beach Boys used to sing about. <laughs> Be true to your school. Be true to your school. And... Uh, I'd hate to have people miss that. I remember when Moses Malone, he was drafted right out of high school. He became a great NBA basketball player, uh, but he missed out on a lot too. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. LeBron James. You know, uh, uh, Kobe, I met with Kobe the last game he played the Jazz. When he had 60 or something like that? He dropped 60 on the Jazz, his last game. And I was right there. I had seats right close by the visiting team, and his agent – Manager came over to me and said, "Hey, Kobe, we'd like to talk to you after the game." Oh, wow! And I said, uh, "Any particular reason why?" He says, "Well, he knows you're a good Republican, and he's a Republican." Oh, wow! <laughs> and so I have a video of me and him talking after the game was over. But uh, you know, it, they all started out slow, but then developed later yeah. on. They could have been developing in college and learning how to manage your money, other aspects of of, of life and community. In my case, you know, I'm concerned about people not participating in civics, uh, how we develop policy, don't realize what's made America great, what's making Utah great, and are, le- are not learning that because they skip out of the college. It's all about sports. It's all about the Benjamins. And, and so they become less than they're capable of being in all aspects of life. It's interesting. Scott Warner was here from GIG last week, the CEO, and, and he presented a case that was also – um, compelling with that that players should be able to cash in a little bit on their name, image, and likeness, and and this is a way to do it. But there just aren't any guidelines from the NCAA or the government to keep it from from becoming nine million dollar deals for a kid who hasn't taken a snap, as opposed to allowing a kid to uh, make enough money where he doesn't need a summer job. Yeah. Um, and so there's got to be a, a happy spot in there somewhere. But, but we've allowed, again, you're, you're ostensibly there to get an education. Yeah. You play ball on the side. And anymore, it's you play ball, and you may get an education. Yeah. <laughs> By accident. Too, too many of them don't graduate. Uh, and we had a kind of reverence for amateur athletics. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was the uh, Native American that won, had his lap medals taken away? Blaine, this is a trivia question. Oh, man. Because uh, he played semi-pro baseball. Oh, so uh, he, um, played at Notre Dame? No. No, he, he was uh, 
Oh, anyway, I shouldn't have brought it up without knowing the name. That's all right. But but he he was a great athlete, all around athlete. I was thinking but Jim that, Thorpe. Jim Thorpe, that's who it was. Yeah. Way to go! You can go to the head of five the class. Points. Uh, Jim I get Thorpe, five, five points. Nice. And that was we were so strict then that because he played another sport, he was track and field in the Olympics and won all these medals. He played semi-pro baseball, made like twenty-five bucks a month. And they stripped him of his medals. Mm. Now, they since here recently, about 20 years ago, gave him back to him. But what happened to that amateur standing? And do we need to get paid? Uh, you know, I understand competition and free markets. I appreciate that aspect of it. But I worry if this is going to make it tougher for smaller colleges to compete. Uh, you know, for, even for BYU, which is a big-time college, oh. they don't always get the pick of the litter. The standards of BYU probably inhibit some people from coming to BYU, which is probably a good thing from a BYU perspective. But uh, you have to find the diamond in the rough and develop them. You have to have better coaching. I know and, I paid my Little League baseball team. If they won, we had Slurpees. Yes. You know? We'll take away we their arms. They played harder to get Slurpees. Governor Gary Herbert, 17th governor of the state of Utah, former governor. We'll still call him the governor because you get that title for life on here with the wise guys. Um, and speaking of sports and your adventures, you've been to the White House a number of times, yeah. both with President Obama and President Trump. They're both into sports. And President Biden. And President Biden. Well, yeah, right. right. And uh, Sports is kind of the universal neutralizer of, of the room. Um, tell us of some of the adventures in the Oval Office over sports. Well, we did talk about a lot of sports, but, you know, po- politics is a sport. They call it a blood sport. It gets pretty nasty sometimes, and the competition is keen, let me tell you. Uh, President Obama, uh, really a gentleman, I enjoyed working with him. We disagree on our politics in a much, very vast degree. But he always talked about basketball. He had pictures in the White House of him playing basketball. and Pictures uh, of himself? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, playing, and he had one picture. He was over some guy. He, he was blocking his shot. He had a picture. He was very proud of it. He jumped up there, and he had his <laughs> fingers on the ball and had a little block shot there. And we were talking one day. I, said, I used to play a little basketball. And he said, uh, he said well, you couldn't beat me. I said, well, I, I've kind of seen you play. Did you, you challenge you him to some free throws? Play. Well, he's about five or six inches taller than me and, and about 20 years younger. <laughs> I, I don't think I could beat him one-on-one, but I was ready to take him on in a game of horse. Yeah, I think I'm a better shooter did, than he did is. He t- did you challenge him to a game of horse? Yeah. He had a hoop out back. Yeah. He, has a, he played every, uh, every weekend. He played a little basketball. Yeah. Uh, but So we talked a little bit of basketball and some sports in that regard. Uh, Donald Trump... When I was in the White House with him one day, uh, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's. What's the most interesting thing about him? He's very much a hyperbole, exaggeration, just bigger than life guy. And and I was in there one day with him and talking, and he said, What's your golf handicap, Gary? And I says, Oh, I'm about a 12 or a 13. We got to golf. I've got this great place (laughs) in New Jersey. You'll got to see it. It's the best. It's the biggest. It's the best. So he invited me to come and play golf. We never did make it work, but but he he, he likes to golf and he thinks he's. Did a you good say, golfer. "Hey, you have a better place in Florida? Why aren't we playing down there?" Yeah, I didn't say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he taught golf with he, you. He taught golf, and and he he was big into golf. Uh, uh, President Obama was big into basketball. 
George W. Bush was really big into baseball. Yeah, you know, I think right. he used to own the Houston yeah. Astros yeah. and all. Right. And he tells the story. He told it to us. We were three or four of us governors sitting around a table with him, and he told the story of when after September 11th. And you can go to YouTube and, and actually find this video. But they invited him to uh, shortly after that to throw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. And he told the story. He said, um, I, you know, want to show America was still good and New York was back and so not being intimidated. That was part of the, uh, the motivation. But they put, him, they put a, uh, a bulletproof vest on him. They put him under the stands. Yeah. And he's warming up. He's warming up to the old soup bone uh, <laughs> to throw a strike. And uh, I'll... Uh, Rodriguez come by. Alex Rodriguez? Yeah, yeah. A-Rod. He comes by and says, hi, Mr. President. And he'd heard he was going to throw out the first pitch. And he said, can I maybe give you some advice? And he, and I said, what? he says, well, make sure you throw the pitch from the rubber upon the mound. Don't step in front of it like some do. You That's great advice. And he, and he says, why? And he says, this is New York, and if you don't do that, they will boo you. <laughs> oh, wow. So he's, okay, I can throw it from the rubber, you know. And uh, so he, as Rodriguez is going out the door, he says, oh, by the way, whatever you do, do not one-hop it into the catcher. <laughs> this is New York, and they will boo you. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. So, a lot of pressure. That's what he said. He got up there, and if you notice new, oh, yeah. on the YouTube, he holds the ball up to cheer, you know, USA, USA, USA. And then he winds up, and he throws in there, and he says, I threw a perfect strike. That's what he says. And and it was a, a good pitch as yeah. far as I can tell from YouTube. His wife, Laura Bush, was here in town. I asked him about, uh, asked her about that. And he says, uh, he, she told the story the same way he told it, and he, she finished it by saying, and he threw a perfect strike. Or that's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was what I liked is he he did it with confidence. He threw some heat. He didn't lob it in there. No, no. He, and and he yeah. walked confidently off the mound. It was like in the nation needed it. Yeah. And it did. It was it was very uh, important to say we're back. But again, that's a sports thing, you know. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Our national pastime. We had September 11th, but we're back. If you think you're gonna you're gonna stop us, you're not. And our president came out and threw out the first pitch, got a standing ovation, and we're back. You know what else we found on YouTube? DJ, can you roll that? So July first, twenty twenty, the COVID summer, Stadium of right Fires here. canceled. And uh, so we do an interview oh, at the 50-yard line at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We had to mask up because you were still the governor. And then afterwards, we started throwing the ball. We had multi-cameras, so these were actual passes. Blaine, why don't you analyze the governor's form? First of all, here? I like the three-step drop. That was pretty impressive. And see the see the pump fake here? It was pretty nice. My question is, did you guys edit that? Like, were those no. actually – like, those were thrown in and catches These were thrown in. Watch this one right here. This one right – Now we the, let him throw it. Took the cake. Look at that. One hand? You kidding me with this? Yeah, right you got now? play of the you got play of the week. I got on play this of the one. week. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So. Those were uh, those were your first completions in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, right there with with all the legends. And that was in the middle of COVID. You know, it, it's yeah. not my first completion at BYU, though. Right. Uh, because I played in the in the region championships. Uh, it was us. Uh, we had a playoff between us and and Payson at the time of the region here around Utah Lake, all the cities uh, and. Uh, I forget region four, whatever we were at the time. And we were behind in the game uh, by about three points, two points, something like that. 
and it's fourth and 17 on my own like 25 yard line and we've only got about five or six minutes to go in the game so it's not looking good for the mudville team or him <laughs> and so uh i was also the punter and so i dropped back to punt made a nice fake like I was going to punt it, ran out to the sideline, threw it to the ball to a guy named David Hooley who ran 78 yards down for the winning touchdown Wow! to put us into the state playoffs. That was wow. our junior year, which we eventually lost to hey, the Highland team. Little, little Chaloops uh, chiming in saying, that was a Heisman-level play right there, your one-handed catch. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see how much elevation I got? It was – it was, uh, um, and I was uh, Ben is probably Cahoon's jealous. Maybe oh he after that one hander that back on one more time. After that one hander, and if you're listening on the podcast, go to YouTube and go with Gary Herbert BYU KSL, and you can see this again. Let's we're gonna get through these little small moving down the things and a curl that was a curl easy curl pattern here. This one looks like look look at a good like good balance. He comes up. I had to wait for it a little bit. Like an out, and then this is must be an out. We went deep. Yeah, this is a slant pattern down deep for six. Yeah, I love. That's why I got the. Hands but, up. But and the, <laughs> now here comes the play. Now, this here is what I learned from Ben. The one-hander. I love yeah. it. You know what? <laughs> During COVID, Dave and I were doing games from in the stadium, and about the same number of people were at the game at the games <laughs> through that that period of time. So that was normal amount of crowd. It was for a BYU game dur- during COVID. Well, unfortunately, and I I actually sent uh, they we had people calling all the time and getting after me for not opening everything up. And we we were probably more open than most every state in America, but we still yeah. were cautious and careful, and we're learning as we go. The science and uh, it was not all the way in. We The healthcare professionals, I mean, they've modified and changed. But uh, I sent, uh, they were complaining, and so I sent a letter to the football team and said, look, I've got football season tickets at BYU too, and I want to see you play in the stadium myself and unfortunately, we have circumstances right. to make it difficult for us to do that. They put that on the scoreboard up top where they could read it during practice, that a message from the governor. And, you know, the end of it was go fight, win, go Cougars. That was an amazing season. Yeah, yeah it was under a all, phenomenal under all season. Of that. One, of the, one of the best of all time, and uh, that 2020 season was pretty special. Uh, and BYU was thrust into the spotlight because they're one of the few teams that figured out how to play. Yeah. Uh, Tom Homo, uh, again, did a good job of going out and finding people who would play. We had a lot of support from the athletes, and particularly high school athletes. We had some challenges with some of the parents. But we had uh, the quarterback of the football team, they had cheerleader, and they'd get together before the game, and they'd say to the parents, look, you're ha- we ask you to wear masks. Yeah. We want to play football. We want to play basketball. We ask you to please cooperate so we can continue to participate. And we did a pretty good job. Uh, I can tell you that uh, uh, it was a difficult time. Uh, I'd yeah. hate to, I wouldn't put that on my worst enemy, the COVID 2020. But uh, and a lot of things I wanted to do, I couldn't do. You know, and it was surreal. Year. It was surreal sitting there doing that interview yeah. at the 50-yard line in a completely empty stadium where yeah. in normal years we'd be doing rehearsals for Stadium That's of Fire. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And and I, again, I'm thinking you said about not playing in the Lavelle Stadium, but I played in the old uh, football stadium down there where we won the, the playoffs. Yeah, so that does, that, that's that, important, that, that, that but, but the, these were your first yeah. Lavelle Edwards yeah. passes. But, but it's, I just want you to know this, that, that we had people in politics, Glenn Beck, extreme right wing, said the state that handled the pandemic the best was Utah. Yeah. We had a, a, on the Wall Street Journal, had it on the front page here about two, uh, two or three weeks ago, 
a study that's been done from the beginning of the pandemic till to currently, and they said the state that handled the pandemic the best, Utah. There was great. There was great balance here in Utah with with the uh, and it was still hard. Yeah, even though oh, we it did was it hard everywhere, right? yeah. it was and hard it's still going on. You know, we got yeah, different variants. Right. I mean, people are getting still sick. We need to be careful out there. Wash your hands. That's probably the best thing. Uh, take your vitamins. Keep your immune system up. Um, just use a little common sense, but because uh, we still have yeah. this flu uh, that's going around and different variants out there. Yeah. Tell me about this quote. Uh, work will win when wishy-washy <laughs> wishing won't. How does that apply to sports in your life? And uh, I know it comes from from uh, your adopted father, Dwayne. Yeah, my father, uh, who was the hardest working person I ever knew. Yeah, He was just a workaholic, good guy. Always had his priorities straight, but this was a hard worker. And your little league coach. And, and he's my little league coach. And, and, he, and he actually got that from his father, my grandfather, they were raised on a farm up in Idaho and a lot of work there to go around. But my dad, you know, he didn't want to miss the opening day of school. But but his dad says, you've got to hold the field and, and get into the grain and the hay and yeah. and plow the field. And so my dad, when my grandpa went to sleep, got up out of bed at like 11 o'clock at night, worked all night long so he could go to school the next day on his first day of school. Mm. That's He just work, work, work. So uh, this phrase he taught us all when we were young is work will win when wishy-washy wishing won't. And it's a little hokey, the eight W's, but it's a, it's a good principle. Work will win yeah. when wishy-washy wishing won't. A lot of us wish this or wish that, you know, and we need to put our shoulder to the wheel and, and, and push ahead. And, and his example still in my own life, I'm still working hard and trying to get better at whatever I'm doing. And all of us can excel and, and, and improve. Just put your shoulder to the wheel and work will win when wishy-washy wishing. Let me won't. tell you, uh, when I'm in a bunker, there's a lot of wishy-washy <laughs> wishing to get out of we, that We've thing. seen that. Yeah, we've seen it's that. not pretty. But what we should do, though, is go over to the practice bunker. Oh, do the work? And do the work yeah. in practice. That's, right. that's say, the oh, part I'm missing. That's, that's yeah. the problem. <laughs> that's the part and I'm I have to say, and, and Dan Forsman, who's a friend of all of ours, I see Dan so many times where I'm, I'm coming off the course. And I go, did you play, Dan? He goes, no. I just came and practiced today. So he spent like. Yeah, yeah that's, that and, and that's what those getting, pros you know, do. Dan, Dan was coming back from practice. injury and, and trying to get back to, into playing for him. And what he didn't do was show up three minutes before his tee time, run out, play nine or whatever, yeah. and run home. He's constantly practicing. He's putting the work in so that it's just not wishy-washy, wishy like the rest yeah. of us. I bumped into him once out on the golf course. He was just sitting there in his cart. He's out on one of the holes out in the back nine of Riverside and just sitting there. And we stopped by Ron Hawkins' line and said, How you doing, Dan? <laughs> so, well, I'm working on my golf game. And he's just sitting here. He says, Well, I'm visualizing how I hit a high fade into this hole with a seven iron. And he reminded me, Jack, Jack Nicholas, he did Park Meadows up in, mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. We honored Jack here a few years back and good friend. And and he did Park Meadows. He took people on a tour, and he said, um, "I laid the holes out the way he did, and what he expected people to do." And he came to this hole, and he says, "This is going to take a high fade with your five iron. You need to hit it on about the second groove." <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking we're lucky to hit the. I just want to have it on the face, <laughs> right? Hit, hit a high fade here on the second groove with your five iron. <laughs> 
You know, those, those guys can work the ball. Oh my gosh. I mean, all these guys are good, you know? but, but they put a ton of work in on the range that we don't put in hours no. upon we don't hours. We don't have time for it. We just barely warm up. We'll hey, meet I, you on the tee box. I want to, I want to get your thought. Um, you know, golf's a big part of this state because there's so many good golfers that either live here now or grew up here. Tony Finau, of course, we're all proud of and, and is doing great things out there now amongst others. But what about the Olympic Games? So so Salt Lake City was known for the great hosting of the Winter Olympics. Now there's talk about them hosting another Winter Olympic Games. Do we do we want that here in Utah? Is that a good thing for the state? Should we be pushing for that? Well, I personally think it's a great thing for the state. Uh, it turned out to be much better than anybody expected and. Uh, 2002, uh, I put together an exploratory committee to look at it and see what the potential was and found our, our venues are still in good shape. Yeah. Might need a little sprucing up, but we happen to have the venues. Anybody else that doesn't have them is going to have to spend a billion or $2 billion to build them. So we have a leg up on, on that. Um, and we also have convenience. Uh, we have an I-15 spine. We have a lot of hotels. It's easy to get to when they held it up in in Vancouver uh, area and uh, Western Canada, it would sometimes take you a couple hours on just one-way roads to get up to the venue, and you'd miss the time. It was not convenient to get there. So we have the training center. We have the venues that we've kept up. We were smart. We, we did the Olympics in such a way that we made money. Yeah. Reinvest that money back into these venues. And at our Olympics, if you watch the Winter Olympics, if Utah was a country... You know, we're going to finish probably in the top seven or eight in the world from just people from Utah. And Competing. Whether, they, whether right. they're residents yeah. here or they train here, but we really are, are contributing significantly to the winter sports. Uh, our ski association, our snowboard association, all headquartered here in Park City. Greatest snow on earth, and it, and it really is. There's, I was over in Sochi in 14. Yeah. We were waiting for you to come over, by the way, to be with us. <laughs> uh, but you didn't come over because uh, it was so far away and all that stuff. But, yeah, it was it was a Utah athlete or a trained athlete every single day in the middle yeah. in the middle stand. We've done a really great job, and we are now, because of the work we've done, we were named here uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, I guess it was, while well, I was governor, we got named America's Choice. So for the next Olympics that comes to America, uh, we are America's choice. After by the USOC. LA, right? Well, LA's yeah. In twenty eight. Well, that's probably what's going to happen. It's that's not certain, but it's hard to have two in the same back to back in the same continent, let yeah. alone the same country. It's hard for us to raise money if LA is going to have the Summer Olympics, and we can't start raising money until after they're done to not encroach upon their fundraising efforts. So 2030, 2034, probably the more likely dates for us. And if I was a betting person and I'm not, I'd say probably 2034. 34. But we are, we're situated. We are suited. There is not a better place in the world to host the Olympics than here in Utah. All right. We've got the governor's quiz in our final minutes with you right. tonight here on The oh. Wise Guys. And we sure appreciate you coming. Blaine, why don't you orchestrate the governor's quiz? And then we'll, um, we'll hit you up with a couple of other notes and we do want to talk about the governor's pardons, which continue oh, yeah. uh, to this day. <laughs> very, but, very important um, part of our golf. <laughs> and we're Absolutely. playing this week. Are we not playing this week? We're, we're not telling Saturday. people where we'll and see. when, but we're going to go. This I, week. I heard you're getting a tea time for Saturday. So we're locked we got in. It. I've got permission from Jeanette to go golfing. Yeah, we're so going. I, I, we're I going. take advantage of that. We're definitely going. So I'm in. All right. You and your wife, Jeanette. She's also a golfer, by the way. She is. Right? So you have six kids. How many grandkids? 17. 17. 17 grandkids. Um, your son-in-law, Ben Cahoon, played and coached at BYU and was a star receiver in the Canadian Football League. True. In your prime, 
Which scenario was the most possible? A, defending him against the pass. B, scoring on him in basketball. Or C, striking him out. The last two, I couldn't compete with him catching a football, and he's much faster than I am. Okay, so you could not defend him on but the pass. I, but he, when he came home off his mission... I mean, I've got this on the record, probably on video someplace. <laughs> we believe it. Uh, he he sent a picture. Him and Je- uh, Kimberly were communicating with letters, yeah. and he threw down the gauntlet and threw a sh- uh, sent a picture of him dunking the basketball oh in downtown Philadelphia. He was part of a league there with a lot of African American black guys, basketball yeah. stars, and they had this little white guy. <laughs> He's down yes. there dunking the basketball. So he had a picture. <laughs> he says, "Tell your dad I'm ready for him." Ah, oh man. And so I just sent a Those picture. Back words. with him and said, "I showed me with a two-handed behind the back stuff, <laughs> you know." And uh, he, he, I didn't tell him I'd lowered the basket. <laughs> oh, I was thinking mini tramp, but yeah. Yeah. either way. But anyway, so he comes home. He's up at Rick's uh, college. Comes home on a weekend. I've got a basketball court in my backyard, so I had home court advantage. But we started playing. We played three games to twenty-two, uh, and. Uh, my daughter came. She showed up just a little bit late for the first game, and she says, Dad, what's the score? I says, it's 14 to 2. <laughs> and she says, are you behind by that much, Dad? <laughs> I says, no, you just got it backwards. Oh, <laughs> so nice. uh, well so he had to go back to his teammates and tell him his <laughs> old father-in-law, who was soon to be father-in-law at the time, uh, who was, I think I was 42, 43 at the time. He was 22. You got uh, it. Uh, he... he Got beat by this old man. All right, before Blaine's next him. question. He worked him. When Lone Peak <laughs> basketball and half their team came to BYU, when they won the national championship, they went up to see you up at the Capitol, and you had a hoop there, and you challenged yeah. him to a free throw shooting contest. How do you know all this stuff? And you beat every single one of them. You've done research. Yeah. Well, that's not quite the way I would say it. Uh, I thought that's the way you told it to me. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> We've been taking notes. Uh, Lone Peak was the national champions right. that year. Right. The Eric Mika, and, and so, Emery, Haas. All those guys. Yeah. And so they came up to the Capitol where we honored them. And unbeknownst to me, they brought in a parquet court, put it down by the rotunda. Okay. And, and said, we want to play you a game of horse. Oh, oh, that's right. It was horse. Horse. And so uh, I said, sure, okay. <laughs> they had no idea they, what they were getting no, into. They, uh, well, here's the funny ending. So they they were dressed up. They had their courts, uh, coats on. They, we took our sport, our suit coats off. They gave me a jersey, said Lone Peak number one. So I thought, <laughs> hey, on the team. There you go. And so they threw a basketball to me, brand new, and it just felt good. You, know, oh, you yeah. felt a good a little the tackiness on the basketball. It just feels good. <laughs> I thought, you know what? I think I can make every shot. And I made the next eight shots in a row, including uh, four three-pointers. And he wiped them out. And that, I beat him horse to nothing. <laughs> and it was on It was on, on Channel 5. didn't cover as much, unfortunately. But Channel 2 had a great spill on it. And they had a teaser that says, Herbert Ch- plays the Lone Peak High School in horse. You'll be surprised at the outcome. <laughs> so I, that's a like I, that's I've classic. never heard somebody say. So that's a new phrase phraseology I haven't heard, and that is, "Hey, you played so many horse. How'd you do? I beat him horse to nothing. Horse to nothing. Yeah. Horse to nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, and, and what was and they interviewed the team afterwards, and, they, and we had it was at lunchtime, so and the legislature was in session, so it was filled up, 
and I was so hot. Pretty soon, people are saying, I'd shoot, and they go, money, <laughs> money, <laughs> money, money. And I afterwards, uh, the Haas uh, boy said to uh, the announcer, well, he's been practicing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, you guys won the national champion. You play four hours a day, and you accuse me of practicing. It's the first you time I picked him. up a basketball yeah, it's a in about hey, 10 some, months. Something I, I've been like perplexed by, and it doesn't happen anymore because Utah came into the, the modern times, but... When I came out here in 1981 from New York, uh, first time I'm playing basketball, football season's over, we're just playing some basketball in the field house. Um, I get a ball, I go over, um, top of the key, knock one down. I'm standing there, I'm like, hey, like change. Like, let's go. <laughs> they took it and started they playing? They just took it and shot. Yeah, not I everyone thought, knows I thought, okay, that. That was weird. Like, that was weird. So I get another ball. I go to the junction. I, I step out a little bit, knock down another one. Like, dudes, like, change. And they go, what's change? Yeah, I that's, said, that's East Coast. When you make a shot, <laughs> you get change. Like, you get the ball back. Like, are you kidding me right now? They're like, no, we never heard of that. And these were all Utah kids. Well, that's because you're out in the hood and we're just here on the farm. No, but hey, <laughs> it's no longer the farm anymore. I'm just saying in 81, the Utah guys I knew didn't know what change was. Please. Hey, shout out to our user Monkey Mercs, gifted five subs to some of our viewers tonight. Oh, that's awesome. Nice job. See, we got this running, running uh, Gary, all this stuff oh, here. Oh, I see. And they, they talk the to each other. They're asking questions. We're White watching some of these. can indeed we... jump. Yes, they can. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Blaine, okay, go next, question next number que- two. Next question. Can BYU Hall of Famer Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge build the Jazz into a championship contender? You know, I was with Charles Barkley Um Charles is just a fun guy. Yes, he is. And he's really smart. Yep. And I was talking to him about running for governor of Alabama. Oh, wow. Anyway, we made another program. We're talking about Charles Barkley stories. He's a really great guy. But I said, you know, you're one of our favorite players in my family. When you were with Danny Ainge at Phoenix, right. and, uh, you know, you're playing in the NBA finals. You got Chicago. You're playing the finals. You go on national television as you're being interviewed, and you say to the, to the, the interviewer, the Phoenix Suns, we're going to win this series. We're going to win the NBA championship. The guy says, well, how do you know that, Charles? He says, because God told me. And he said, God told you? He said, yeah, I was talking to him last night. Well, I remember watching that, and we laughed and rolled on the floor, and Charles, God told me he talked with him last night. And I says, what do you have to say about it? Because, Charles, I've always wanted to ask you because you lost the series. He said, what I found out was God really was Michael Jordan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Danny did, you know, Danny um, was not only a great basketball player, one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yeah. You know, he played professional baseball, professional basketball, all American. Would have been a great receiver. receiver. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. He was just a great athlete and, and a competitor to the nth degree. And Larry Bird said he would attack his mother if she had a breakaway layup. <laughs> uh, so uh, Danny was not only a good basketball he's really smart. And he was like having an extra coach on the team at Phoenix, and they did the same thing at Boston. Yeah. And uh, so he goes back to the front office there and becomes the general manager and against an NBA championship. So I think he's going to add a lot to the Jazz and will add a lot. We'll have to wait and see what they do. It looks like they're looking to kind of start over. Yeah. And um, they're one more trade away from a complete which, start. Which over. is kind of what he did in Boston. We kind of broke yeah. it down and rebuilt it. You know? Yeah, it's it's. I, I everybody loves Donovan Mitchell. We all do, and, and we like Rudy. Uh, I remember bumping into Ryan uh, Ryan Smith rather after uh, they lost in the playoffs, and I said, "What are you gonna do, Ryan?" 
So I only got two things that I can do. One is to see if I can beef up what we've already got and add to it and make it better as we age, or I'm going to start over yeah. and, and build a new team. And uh, so, which is true, you know, and I think that's they're going for the latter. I don't know what they're going to do with Donovan. You know, that's he's such a crowd pleaser and they love him. But every time you check your phone on Twitter, you expect news of yeah, something about yeah. Donovan. But I, I, with Dwayne Wade and with Danny, uh, you know, I think Ryan's got a good front office there making good trades, making good decisions. So I'm very optimistic and bullish about the Jazz in the future. The most important thing for Danny moving back to Utah is is that his wife, Michelle, plays tennis. She's on Brenda's team, my wife. Oh. <laughs> and Brenda's like, I don't even care about that stuff. Michelle's just awesome teammate. So, <laughs> so she, And she's really competitive, too. Maybe not quite like Danny. Maybe not. But, but, uh, but they, uh, they sure enjoy that. All right, last quiz okay. question. If Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Chris Brooks all stay healthy this season, so starting, you know, NFL wide receiver, possibly an NFL running back, NFL quarterback, um, how many games do you think BYU wins? We're looking for your prediction. I'm going to write it down. Okay. Well, Jaron. And we're going to revisit it. If Jaron can stay healthy, uh, that's the worry. He's got a great arm. And, uh, you know, a former baseball pitcher and Mm -hmm. also, and he's he's got good genealogy. His dad was a great running Mm -hmm. back. Yeah. And, um, and he's got those good running qualities, too. So that's the key. If we can keep him healthy, I think. Nakua's obviously a great receiver. He's an Orem Tiger, just yeah. like you guys. Yeah, that's right. So we get those Golden Tigers on the field, and, boy, good things are going to happen. <laughs> Let's see, how many games are they playing? They were playing 12. They have 12 games. And then a bowl In a regular game. season, a bowl. So 13 games. 13. Well, let's let's say they go to the bowl game, so uh, we'll call that a win. But the, the regular season, uh, 12 games, I think they'll be 9-3. and three. Nine All and right, 9-3. and three. Nice. And then, then we're going to have them win a bowl game. So 9-3 and three regular season. They get 10 wins. I know when Ben played at the Y, they went to the Cotton Bowl. It was great. They were like 10-1. and 10-1. and 14-1, right? Because yeah, they had an extra game because they went to Hawaii, yeah. too, that year. Right. And so, they had the WAC championship. Yeah, game. and they finished, I think, fourth in the nation that year. Great, great run for the Cougars that year. First and only New Year's Day bowl. And a win on That's CBS. Right. Yeah, that was, that was great. We were there, and uh, the, it was a great ball game. And uh, that was Ben's junior year. But, boy, you could see great things happening. Inspired by our visit last week from uh, Scott Warner, who's a social media yes. guru. Uh, five things on getting to know the former governor, and then we'll do golf pardons, and we'll be we'll get you out of here. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, by the hey, way. Hey, what, what else would I rather do? It's been fun. It's been yeah. fun. All right, uh, your favorite movie of all time. Oh, my gosh. These are just rapid fire. Yeah, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for oh. a lot of reasons. Butch Cassidy, his name is Robert Leroy Parker. He's my cousin. And so, and and he stole horses from my wife's family <laughs> down in Pace, and that's where we first met each other, our families, and we're stealing horses from Jeanette's family back when. <laughs> so it was just a fun family, and Bob Redford's a friend, and... and uh, so that's, that's it, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance what, what, Kid. What was the what's the female star opposite Robert Redford in that? The, his like his love interest played at a place. Uh, uh, it, I don't know. Is it, is yeah. it, is it Kath, Catherine Ross? Catherine Ross. That's it. Catherine Ross. Oh, I was in love with Catherine Ross as a young man. <laughs> a like, I, of, I saw her and I thought she was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen in my life. Catherine Ross. Yeah, she was oh, so very goodness. pretty. She's still pretty. Yep. All right, favorite cereal. You know, I like Cheerios. 
That's old Cheerios. School. Do you like honey nut or just regular? I like regular, and I put bananas on them, a little sugar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spices you know? it on them. And what's good about them is you can take them to church and feed your kids and still get a little we snack. We all grew up on Cheerios. <laughs> we all get your, a snack we, yourself in we, church. We all grew up on Cheerios. We sat there and thought, why didn't we get Cheerios when Fruit Loops were such a better option? <laughs> I, I'm a honey nut guy, actually. If I do the Cheerios, I go to the I've honey had nut. honey nuts. I mean, but Cheerios are always good. You there can you go. just kind of eat them plain and... You feel right. healthy. Favorite, they feel healthy. Favorite rock band. You know, I am a big Beach Boy fan. Don't let, don't let him make you do rock. I don't even know why it's rock, because he's rock uh, and really. Yeah. It can be any band. Well, I'll just tell you. Well, Beach Boys wasn't a rock band. That's true. Okay. Well, they but were, they were just, a they, band. They were they were rock and roll. Yeah. And, and yeah. Um, but the Beach Boys I've met, and I've had an opportunity to introduce them to a number of concerts, and uh, they had, you know, Fun, Fun, Fun was written here in Utah when they were at Kanak Radio Station up in the Salt Lake area. Oh, yeah? And the, and the manager of the radio was friends with uh, their father, uh, what's, I forget his first name, Murray Wilson. And so they helped promote the Beach Boys at Kanak Radio Station. They came and played at Lagoon you know, twice a year. You know, so anyway, I remember at Stadium the, of Fire. The radio, yeah, that was great. We met with them then. Yeah. But uh, I, I, they went to the radio station. They're promoting the Beach Boys, and this girl, the radio station manager's daughter, said, "Dad, I need to go to the library. Can I borrow the T Bird?" And she took the T Bird. He had one. Did go to the library. Went down to the radio station to hang out with the Beach Boys, and he caught her there. And the Beach Boys, you know, Daddy took the T-Bird away. And you know, you'll fun, have fun, fun, That's fun, when the T-Bird was taken away. That's right. That and was they it. wrote, <laughs> I talked to them, they said, we wrote that song on our way from Kanak Radio Station to the airport. That's classic. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, okay. So I, I all love right, the Beach, Beach Boys. Boys and, and part of that is because my wife loves the Beach Boys. Okay. So I love my and wife. I, and, hey, we all it's love the everyone, Beach Boys. It's love. It's the a love The Beach Boys is classic old school. Everybody loves the Beach Boys. Favorite president of the United States? Ronald Reagan. I knew you were going to say. I knew it, too. I knew it. But I mean, have but great reasons. not really I, an know, asterisk for it. But. Yeah, I, Reagan, again, he's kind of the modern-day version of common-sense conservatism. He brought people together. He even got the Democrats talking about tax cuts, led to the yeah. 25 years of prosperity. Uh, he was a good communicator. He made people feel good. George W. Bush made people feel good. He's the guy you like to hang out with. He's just kind of a common guy. But, you know, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, I mean, some really classy guys in our early days and Abraham Lincoln maybe did the, the, the most outstanding job in George Washington of anybody. Yeah. But Reagan's, uh, I'm kind of a Reagan conservative, yeah. I say. Ronald Reagan's my guy, too. Yeah, that's my guy, too. Number five on the list of five, a favorite live stream hosts. Well, you two guys. That's uh, it. The that's answer you know, we were looking at. Yeah, writing that one down. Yeah. Perfect I don't, I don't know who's one or two here, but uh, <laughs> we'll this might go, be a, a tie right at the we'll finish We'll just go line. to a tie. Wow. Yeah. We'll take a Dave tie. Dave and Blaine. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a tie on that. Now, okay. as we as we say goodbye to the governor, we have David Phillips coming up here in just a few minutes from BYU TV. And still a lot of news to get to from the day. Uh, we're golfing on Saturday. We, we play golf quite a bit. When we golfed with you while you were in office, we had the luxury of the uh, Utah Highway Patrol <laughs> coming with That's us. That's right. It Amazing they would how good they were. Us, they could, in front of us. They could find a Titleist in the worst of <laughs> you circumstances. Know, yeah. You know, it was. Uh, I never had to worry about getting in the rough and not having a good lie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I saw some of that. That's right. On. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, nice kick out. <laughs> yeah. So now we, we don't have them, so we're, we have to help each other find our, find our last ball. But the governor's pardon, which we were introduced to while you were in office, that has continued on. That's, which that's we, true. The, the governor of Utah 
can't not pardon like some other states. We have a, a pardon system, a committee. So if you're on death row, you know, mm-hmm. and life sentence or whatever, you're trying to get pardoned, right. it goes to our board of pardons and parole. But if you're playing golf, uh, one of the few states that have this, they've given to the governor, is the ability, to, if you have a bad shot, to pardon that shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some places they call them mulligans, but not in Utah. Yeah. We, we, if you're with the governor, one of the great things of going with the governor, that's why people invite me. Is and, that you can this, get a governor's pardon on a bad this shot. This extends like yeah, once fantastic. you're out of office, you it's it, a lifetime. It's a lifetime. I'm planning on a number of them on Saturday. <laughs> well, I, I'll come uh, with a lot of them in my pocket. <laughs> I tell, I go home. I'm like, hun, I I shot 72 today. She goes, did you did you play with Gary Herbert today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I inspire you to play good golf. And then we play we play along when you pardon yourself. So yeah, it's like, we let you pardon. It's like the fifth putt, but yeah. I guess I guess you're. I I find I save up. I finally say. Well, you guys have all had about two or three parts. I ought to give myself one <laughs> yeah, yeah. on this uh, pod. Or, or he, hey, honestly, the governor doesn't need very many pardons. I, I, like when I didn't realize that you hadn't taken up golf until you said you were 42 years old. That was news to me because he plays like yeah. he's been playing his whole life. It's right down the middle. Yeah. yeah so Mike Levitt became the governor and, and raised uh, raising money to an art form by having golf events. And I would get involved, invited as a, as a county commissioner. And I thought, gee, I, I need to come up with a way to hit that ball and not embarrass myself. My sister, bless her heart, had a, a golf driving range over between Lehigh and American Fork, which is now all shopping centers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they gave me the good family discount, and I got a book from Jack Nicholas called Golf My Way, and I had a, a couple of videos, and I went over there and practiced golf, and that's how I learned to play golf. It's that's because you've got this late. competitive fire that you do work not want to. Work will win when wishy-washy, yeah, wishy won't. 42 years old, it's never too late. Work will win when wishy-washy, wishy won't. You worked. <laughs> well, and I now worked. you can go out there and play with anybody. That's Governor true. Herbert is the executive chair of the Utah Valley Chamber of Commerce. He's got his own NIL deal with Utah Valley University name, image, and <laughs> likeness right. for the Gary R. Herbert Institute of Public Policy. That's kind of like your own NIL. Y- well, not exactly. I, I get. I, we're going to help young people, though, yes. at UVU, which you know is our largest institution in the state as far as uh, student population goes. Forty-three thousand students there, and this institute's going to be designed to help them understand the responsibility of being a citizen, be civic-minded, how policies made. Uh, we have internships for the lecture series. I've got some. Big headliners will be coming Good. to UVU to speak, and I'm really excited about that opportunity for me to continue with Utah Valley University. So I say go Cougars and go Wolverines. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Blue absolutely. Cougar 73 would like you to pardon the Utes. <laughs> <laughs> that is no longer within your powers. <laughs> it's just on the golf course. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Tuesday. We hope you'll yes, come back. Thanks so much. And uh, well, Thanks for the invitation. We've got a few Charles Barkley stories and a few others. Yeah, we'll come, oh, yeah. We're going to come I, back I, and we'll I, do a whole segment on Charles Barkley stories. At some point. <laughs> we'll have a Barkley night. Yep, yep. <laughs> And, uh, you know, one of the great things about being governor, you meet a lot of people. Yeah. So I, I've had a great experience in the last 30 years, six months and five days, you know, with I was an elected official, county commissioner, lieutenant governor, governor. It's been just a, a wonderful experience for me, and, and uh, I appreciate the people of Utah letting me have that opportunity. We appreciate you, know, you having a, a time to be here with us, and we'll see you on the T-Box. We'll see you Saturday. Maybe, Saturday. We'll, maybe we'll live stream from our golf. Yeah, we'll do hey. some live stream. <laughs> when, when you hit we'll show a, your swing. When he does a complete shank shot, and you pardon him, I want that live stream. <laughs> yeah. We'll edit that thing right out. Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks so much. All right, thank you, guys. We appreciate Great you to be much. with you. Keep up the good work. Thank, thank you. you. All right.
Coming up next week, July 26th, Max Hall's going to be here with us at uh, 6.15 Mountain Time. Then Harvey Unga's going to join us. We'll talk about Tyler Algier as uh, as after further review rolls out his run into history. August 2nd, Mark Wilson will be here. August 9th, Dennis Pitta. August 16th, Marie Osmond and Robbie Bosco. And August 23rd, Major Clark Heyman, uh, fighter he, jet pilot. Yeah, and he... He did the best flyover ever before the BYU-Utah game last yeah. year when we all thought they buzzed the stadium. That was Clark Heyman. And Caleb Chapman is going to bring a saxophone, and that's coming up on the 23rd. And then we will be right knocking on the door of the brand-new season. So, good stuff. What? <laughs> we'll ask Max. Governor, if you have to write some questions down that you want us to ask yes, Max. Yes, for sure. Um, Max is up to some great stuff. Um, hey, by the way, we've got some baby news to pass along. Uh, Shout-outs to the Satakis and the Wilgars. That's right. Um, uh, the Satakis, Timberley, delivered a baby girl on Sunday. i got to get more of the details. I know this. More than eight pounds, which is that surprising? No, it had to be more than eight pounds. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I saw the name but I was not sure of it and I'm like oh we can't I, I don't want to get it wrong so we better wait yeah. and then Christine Wilgar delivered Madden Ray Wilgar 8 pounds 20 ounces uh, Peyton Wilgar outstanding linebacker for BYU is that a BYU is that an only at BYU story when the linebacker and his wife are celebrating their first kid the same week as the head coach and his wife introduce another to their family well yeah I think that is, is an only is that a that's a what when you think only at BYU? That is absolutely an only at BYU thing. Well, no we hear we it. hear everybody's doing good and yeah. um, all, that's all, fantastic. All is well, and I think I think Timberly is uh, excited to have the baby here. Um, although we were talking to him the other day out on the street, and and it's just like you, you keep wishing when you, when you're when you're nine months into this, and you know you and I've done this more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're all about, man, we got to get this thing. We got to get this baby here. This is, we're so tired of Then that baby comes and you realize, whoa, that's a lot more work than when they weren't here. <laughs> There's, there was more sleeping so, before. And I just, I just shook my head talking to Timberley and Kalani and just said, man, I can't imagine you're doing this all over again. But Kalani and Timberley are so excited about it. Yeah. So excited about it so for good. this little girl to be in their home, a little caboose. Hey, uh, Courtney Wayman in the finals of the 3,000-meter steeplechase tomorrow night, Wednesday, at the World Track Championships in Eugene, Oregon. This is the world. She conquered the NCAA, got the national championship, was on our show, and, uh, and now uh, is uh, one really good race away from, from winning it all, and we wish her the best tomorrow night in Oregon. Yeah, we had Courtney and Ashton with us. Just, um, was it the first? Show? No, it was the second show. Second, but they for, were our first national champions. They were our very first guests. Our first national championship, our very first guests. And Courtney's taking that great karma with her and uh, in, in Worlds. And I always have to mention, you know I have to mention that she was a Davis dart. Right, of course. Courtney's a Davis dart, of course. Davis All the Fowlers are Davis darts. That's right. Um, uh, Abe Alvarez is, uh, is Trent Pratt's new pitching coach at BYU. I think that's to, a big thing. It is a big thing. He comes to BYU after four years as an assistant at Nevada. He also has a World Series ring that he won with the Boston Red Sox in 2004. He's bringing him a lot of uh, credibility, street cred, whatever you want to call it. Pitching's um, everything. Pitch, yeah. You got pitching, you got a shot. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So that's a, that's a nice addition um, to the staff. Four Cougars uh, selected in this week's Major League Baseball draft. 
Shortstop slash second baseman Andrew Pintar taken in the fifth round by the Diamondbacks. He missed almost all of last season with a shoulder injury. Still goes in the fifth round. Relief pitcher Cy Nielsen in the seventh to the Pirates. Nate Dolly went in the 13th to Tampa Bay. Uh, Cooper McKeon drafted by the Royals in the 16th round. So we'll see who comes back and who moves on, gets that signing bonus, and gets on with their baseball careers. David Phillips going to join us here in just a few minutes from BYU TV. That gives us some time to dive into the Big 12 expansion news right. that uh, has been quite the buzz. We check our phone every few minutes expecting to see some more. But uh, Pete Thamel kind of uh, had a couple of revelations last night and into this morning. Yeah, he, he reported last night, um, uh, you know, and Pete Thamel, ESPN, one of ESPN's big writers, that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 will not be partners. And evidently, there was a series of Zoom meetings between the two conferences' leaderships talking about some type of a merger between the two conferences. Um, he, he mentioned that there were three Zoom calls, lengthy calls to explore these options within the last two weeks, uh, but that they have made the decision that they're not going to move on. And then B, on CBS Sports, Dennis Dodd, uh, he reported last night that the big... Tw- so this is interesting because it's, you know... This takes a little bit further. Dennis Dodd says the Big 12 told the Pac-12 it's not interested in a full-on merger. Uh, The big question now is, and all of the conjecture now is, okay, so if there's not a merger, so the the two leagues wholesale aren't coming together with 22 teams, is the Big 12 still going to aggressively look at taking some of the teams, four or six teams, um, from from the Pac and what's now the Pac-10, basically, once USC and, and UCLA are off. Uh, do they go after, you know, what, what's the fate of Oregon and Washington? Is there still a chance they could get into the Big Ten? Sounds like not right now. No, the Big not, Ten's big, told them big Ten we're not doing said that. said we're not going to expand, we're not doing this. Unless Notre Dame changes their mind was the caveat, which I don't think is going to happen. And if Notre Dame gets what, the number of $75 million, that's what they want a year to stay independent, uh, and, and Dennis Dodd, a little bit about that today. Yeah, I said that they probably will get right? a shoulder partner, maybe the Big Twelve, and give NBC doubleheaders. Yeah, how about on that? Saturday to get Notre Dame more money? Um, That's a, an interesting, interesting concept that Notre Dame partners up with the Big Twelve, which is a possibility. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've been seeing reports for more than a week now about interest in the Big Twelve of having Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado join, which regionally makes sense, right? And that would. Yeah. You know that, that's if you if you're here in Utah, I think that would be great. I, I've said right from the beginning, I'd love to see BYU and Utah in the same league. Um, but but the Pac-12 is not. I still hear people saying, "Hey, the Pac-12 is in a position of power." They were in a position of power a year ago when the Big Twelve had the announcement they were leaving. The Big Twelve has now solidified itself with long-term contracts with all the members and grant of rights agreements, and. The Pac-10 has—they've got to figure out what they're going to do. That's that's the league right now that is at risk for getting poached. They're the big ship out in the Atlantic that hit an iceberg. Yeah. And now it's like, what are you going to do? What what lifeboats are you going to get on, or or are you are you all going down? Well, and, pe- and people keep coming up to me saying, we just don't even get this. Like Utah's the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, they're absolutely the best football team in the Pac-12 last year. They won the Pac-12 championship for Pete's sakes. They've been if they're most consistently at the top of the league the last several years. But it's not about that. It's about what teams are national brands and in major markets. You know, it's a combination of those two things. And you've got UCLA and USC are much bigger national brands than Utah is. No matter how good Utah is, USC is a national name. Clearly. 
David Phillips has produced sports television for Fox, CBS, and ESPN. He's worked the Olympics, worked the Jazz, RSL, has been the coordinating sports producer at BYU TV since February of 2020. As we mentioned earlier, BYU TV announced countdown to kickoff will expand from one hour to two hours before every game this fall, starting with the South Florida season opener on September 3rd. And as part of our responsibilities or his responsibilities at BYU TV, he's also our boss. So we have cleared some space to get him in here tonight and we welcome there he is in his giant. No, we would be shocked if we did not see a Giants jersey. Uh, David Phillips, but thanks for being with us. David, what's the hat? At Corner Canyon. Oh, my gosh. You're, rep- you're representing all kinds of constituencies <laughs> right here. Well, hey, okay. So, first of all, it's all-star game, so you got to rep the Giants today. And, and second of all, my daughter is doing cheer camp at Corner Canyon, and they've got a performance later on tonight. So, you got to make sure I rep that. It's no Davis Dart, I get it, but hey, Corner Canyon's a, got Corner Canyon's got it rolling right now. Well, Governor Herbert yeah. was just talking about NIL. I hope you're getting a cut for the hat. I hope so. I hope the Giants are sending you something for, for the shirt. <laughs> um, not, not, not quite sure on that. And and by the way, Blaine, yes, sir. Wouldn't wouldn't the first national champion on this show be you? Not Courtney, but, but I'm not a guest. I'm a host. Uh, so, I, fair, so, but fair. I, you know what? I appreciate you giving that. You know, that's kind of nice that. At least David remembers. How about us. a how about a always a producer coming in and telling us how we can do our job better? Yes, <laughs> it yeah. never that, ends. Yeah. Never ends. But hey, you're, never but you're ends. absolutely right. The first national champion ever on this show. If you would wear your ring once in a while, I know. Be I, I wore it. On, I wore it. Uh, David knows I wore it on the show on uh, Sports Nation the other day because the women's volleyball team had just gotten their rings. So you brought yours so out. I wore one. I just thought I'd wear it. And it my fingers used to be too fat, but they weren't too fat this time, so I, so I wore it. But David, what went into the decision to expand uh, Countdown to Kickoff to two hours? You know, it, it's been a great product. And we, we've kind of last year, we, we tried to sneak in an extra half hour here or there, depending on what was going on. But BYU is rolling right now. And, and, and fans are getting excited with the Big 12. We're excited about going into the Big 12. So one of the things is we there was always so much more to talk about, as you guys know. There's so much more to talk about with this team. Uh, we, we've been talking with deep, doing deep blues and kind of letting you get to see the players kind of behind behind the mask. And, and, and those have been great. And yeah. so we wanted more opportunities to do that. But with that, we wanted to expand and get bigger. We're in the Big 12 now. We're in these leagues. And when you go and travel, the tailgate is a big thing. The experience of going to a game is huge. And that's what kind of makes it fun to go to into Waco because there's nothing else there that's more important than Baylor football. Yeah. Um, and so being that we're a, we're a Big 12 team, and so we wanted that. So we wanted – that atmosphere out in Cougar Canyon and Cougar Canyon continues to grow. And we're going to be a big part of that. So we're going to have a couple sets out there. We're going to keep, uh, Blaine and Dave moving around. You're going to keep us can. on the move. We, did, oh, we can't, yeah. we can't be pinned down. That's the thing. <laughs> can't be pinned down after, after Max Hall was on the other day and, and kind of took a shot at you. We, we figured we will work oh it into the gosh, exercise. Yeah, that's thing. right. That's right. <laughs> Now, but it's it's a great opportunity for fans to kind of see what goes on in these shows and to see the passion that you guys have and David Nixon and Spencer and and everything that goes into this. The the fans are what make 
BYU great. And so we're kind of letting them be a part of the show. So out in Cougar Canyon, we're going to be on the southwest side, and we're going to have a big stage that you can come behind your sands up, your put your fan your uh, signs up. Excuse me, fans can make signs. We'll actually have sign making posters. They can bring us snacks. Um, they can bring us their yeah, cougar tails snacks. and everything else out there. And and the plan is to give out as much swag as we can out there for fans and things. Uh, one of the things we're giving out at the home games this year is a tailgate set. So you can get a grill, um, nice. grill tools, apron, um, cooler, chairs, everything you need for a great tailgate. Um, and so if we're giving those away out there. So, so come be a part of it. Uh, come a little bit early before the game. Be there for the Cougar Walk, which is one of the great traditions that BYU has. Yeah, the band comes down and then behind the band, all the players and it's quite the rush. And for those- it, it really is. And where we're going to be positioned, we're going to be at the end of that train. So we're going to see everyone coming down, and you guys will be there and, and be able to be a part of it. And fans will get a great seat to be able to see that, to be on the show. Um, we're going to have a little turf field out there that fans will be able to to come up to and see. Nice. Uh, so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're excited. Um, BYU fans are excited. I mean – the numbers, you, you watch attendance, people watching the shows and, and everything. Everyone's excited about BYU football right now. Kalani really has this rolling, and that's what makes it fun. You know, we uh, and for people that don't know, because they really we're been kind of on an eagle's perch in the corner of the stadium, yeah. and we do our shows for home games there. And then for away games, obviously, we're in studio, which I'm, I'm certain we'll continue to do. But... People really couldn't see. We were we were kind of up above. There was no place to, to watch the show. And so now we're going to be really accessible, and the fans will become part of that show, which is really cool for us because we can feed off of that energy. And uh, and the fans that are watching on TV, wherever they are all over the world, can feel that energy from, from BYU's fan base. Yeah, and it's a great thing where we can have kind of that interaction with fans and, and kind of fans can feel a part of the show. And that's what we want. So we'll be out. And then obviously as fans go in to the game about 30 to 45 minutes before we're going to move back up into our, up onto our perch and we'll be there for post game and everything. We're going to have all the same great access, but you know, we were able to kind of expand last year and stuff and, and Dave doing wonderful sit downs. I'm excited for this year. The very first game, um, Dave sat down with Jim McMahon. Oh yeah. It's so, going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be so great. And and so you'll have the opportunity to hear that. So tune in September 3rd. Um, and as part of the rebuild for uh, Studio B, we're going to have a whole new set in there for Countdown to Kickoff. So we're very excited about what's coming up. David, what about um, taking the show on the road? Because I know we have some plans and we're still working on some plans. But I know that that's part of the vision, right? To take the show on the road so we can see fans in other places Talk to us a little bit about that. So we're we're excited, and especially as we go out and BYU's back in a conference. And so every every week, you know, the, the last nine weeks of the season, we're going to go to familiar places. And so we want fans from all over the country, all over the Big 12, to be able to tune in and be a part of it. And to give fans who are in Utah or all over the world, what's it like to go to Cincinnati? What's it like to go to West Virginia? What's it like to go to Iowa State for a game? Uh, 
you know, what's it like to play at Texas Tech and some of their traditions and, and things like that. So we're working with these schools um, to try and and get a place where we can do that, where we can interact with fans and do the show there and to bring fans closer to the game. We are, and, and Dave says it all the time, and it's very true, we're the only place, if you're not there, that you can see the players warm up. You can see, and, and Blaine will tell you how much you can learn by who's out there warming up, who yeah. looks good, mm-hmm. what they're wearing, what they're doing um, to get ready for the game. There's no other place that is going to give you that access. I'm reminded of uh, of last year where we're live watching warm-ups and something looked funny with Jake Olderoid. Yeah, you know, in his right. kicks, and, and you noticed it, and David Nixon, and the next swing, we find out he's a scratch for the game. That was a significant development. Uh, but but you're right, as, as they warm up, it kind of reveal what we're about to see. Yep, and we can, and we also, it, it, injuries are a big thing that we give updates on, but, but also when we're traveling with a team, and even if we're not with a full force traveling with a team, with Spencer out on the road, or once in a while I'll go, or you'll go, um, we're embedded with the team for a couple of days on the road, and we can let you know, bring you into um, the field of the team, what's going on, up-to-date news about what's happening right up until game time. Um, it's, it's great access, and we love that we get to be a part of that and bring it to you from all over the world. David Phillips is a coordinating sports producer at BYU TV. With the Big 12 coming in a year, what will be BYU TV's relationship with the new league We've gotten very familiar and comfortable with the WCC, and, and, and they've utilized all of BYU's tools in, in a variety of ways. We know they've talked with the WCC, but, but what are you hearing? What's the buzz with, uh, with BYU TV and the Big 12? So right now, uh, Commissioner Yormark doesn't start until August 1st, and, and I know that he's set up a visit with BYU. We're, we're still trying to figure that out of where we can be and, and one of the things I actually had the opportunity to talk to coach uh, Bruce Brockbank of uh, BYU golf. And he said, Oklahoma state coach had reached out to him um, when they, when they announced that they were joining the league. And he said, you know what? You guys deserve to be with us for a long time. Your TV deal, what you guys do, the access that you give to your players, you know, that's, that's great. And that's what we need here in this, in this conference. And so I think other schools in the Big 12 recognize that and the Big 12 and one, you know, a big credit to BYU TV and, and obviously to you guys and, and everyone who works there is the WCC reached out on our behalf and talked about what a partner we were. Um, and so that's our goal is we want to be a partner with the Big 12. We want them to want BYU TV to do their game. So we're excited. We're we're kind of hoping to see where we can fit in there and, and to kind of be a partner with the league, not, not kind of a one-off on an Island. We want to partner with them. We want to show them what we can do. Well, one thing we are not is the Longhorn network and everyone in the big 12 hates the Longhorn network because the Longhorn network benefits one school in the big 12 with ESPN's bankrolling and it all goes to Texas. But how is BYU TV different, and how might it be received differently around the rest of the league? I, I think a big part of it is our approach. Um, one, one of the great things, um, we, we've got very tan, talented play-by-play and analysts who've been doing this for years. And, and, you know, one of the things that we hear all the time, we actually, we played uh, Iowa State in softball. 
this year, right. the softball. And, and we broadcast the games and we had, I had several fans from Iowa state that reached out to thank us and say, we loved your coverage. We love the fact that you were down the middle. We love the fact that you focused on both teams and showed both teams. And we're excited for you to join the conference and be a part of it. And I think that that's one thing where we feel like, obviously we're BYU TV and we're going to cover and we're going to know a lot about BYU, but we are excited to showcase these other teams in the big 12. We're a part of the team. Now we're a part of the conference and we want to be part of the team. We want to be with them and, and helping and, and be a good partner in all that we do. You mentioned um, to me maybe last week that um, even this season, we're going to start, we have these deep blues on players from BYU that are like, if you haven't seen those, you need to get online and go take a look at them. Some of these are fascinating stories, right? But you mentioned that this season, we're going to do some deep blues um, on teams that, that BYU is playing this year to show to the big 12 that we can do even a pregame or postgame show that that uh, takes a look into the background of some of their players that are interesting stories, human interest stories, and that we can do a balanced game day like show for them if 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 they would like to incorporate that into their into their Big Twelve package. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think the deep blues are are one of the best things that we do. We do a lot of great things at BYU TV, but the deep blues and, and kind of the stories behind the story. Um, Tyler Algier, obviously unbelievable running back, you know, single season rushing leader. But how many people knew about the relationship he had with his grandfather and what it meant to him when he passed away and how that humanized him? When you see these players and when you get to know who they are, you you fall in love and you you can't help but root for these these players. The I still get I've seen it probably like 50 times. The story of Kalani and Fessy yeah. that we did. If you haven't had an opportunity, go find it. Unbelievable and stuff. The bond with those two and why. And and kind of the things like you can't help but love Kalani, but you watch that and you kind of love it more. And I think it's all bigger than sports. And and at BYU, you know, that's we we understand that sports are very important and they're a great thing and a great tool. But we want to kind of take you behind and be that partner in the Big 12 and showcase some of these great schools and great athletes. Couple of so questions. Couple of questions on the stream for you, David. Uh, one is uh, crowds at BYU TV for away countdown to kickoffs. When we're in studio, not when, when we're, we're in the studio. Road, is, that, studio. is that a, a thing of the past? Uh, unfortunately, it it kind of is for right now. I'm I'm trying to look at ways where we can incorporate it. We're, we're spending some money in, in upgrading Studio B. And, and one of the concessions I had to make moving everything into moving a lot of different things into Studio B was that. But we're going to see if we can figure out a way to get crowds in there or to have a place where we can do that and maybe still have watch parties. But we're, we're kind of trying to figure that out um, right now. But unfortunately, at this point to start the season, we probably won't. But we're, we're going to look at ways that we can incorporate fans more on the away. We have uh, another question from uh, one of our, our folks asking about Big like Big 12 Media Day this year. Obviously, BYU is not a part of the Big 12. But next year's Media Day, BYU will be going into the first season. They want to know, will Sports Nation go on location at Big 12 Media Day next year? Absolutely. <laughs> so that that is the plan. Um, 
we've kind of invested in, te- in some technology to be able to do more on the road, to be able to do more and to give fans better access, um, to be there and to really showcase who we are and what we're going to do. So we're going to be a big part of Media Day where we're going to bring shows out there and have uh, lots of interviews and and probably specials and a lot of things streaming on the web um, and stuff. Sports Nation will be out there. We'll probably have a, a special. You know, one of the things that we've got to do and, and one of the things I'm most proud of that we've done are the media days right. um, over the past 11 years at, at BYU TV. And, and I wasn't here for every single one of them, but the coverage that we do and the, what we put on there has been phenomenal and, and kind of the access to players and where the big 12 is going to have this, um, where they're going to be hosting it. We still want to give fans that same access to players, to coaches and to coaches and players from all over the conference to kind of get to know these are the, these are the people that we're going to be playing week in and week out. So we will be there. Outstanding. David Phillips, the Sports coordinating producer at BYU TV. He's uh, if you're going, hey, who's the boss of sports? It's That's David the boss right there. Right That's here. the boss. It, despite his Giants uh, jersey and, hey. and his corner canyon, and his corner hat. canyon hat, but we know that <laughs> love grows there at his house, uh, and uh, we sure appreciate your time. And we'll see you back at the shop. Hey, happy to do it. Love working with you guys, David Phillips. And uh, you know, he's it. It's a big job. It's yes, a big it job to coordinate. It takes a bazillion people. It feels. And there's the coordination of satellite time and this and that and interviews and access and where are we going to be and who's going to talk to who and all that stuff and, and all that steers through his office and, and his staff. Well, and, we, and we've, we've said this before, but um, we both had the opportunity to work network gigs before. You were at Good Morning America, which is a big, big national show. And, and I've done, uh, worked in the national studio at NBC Sports and done national games for NBC and ESPN. Nobody invests more in infrastructure, so the equipment. Like, when we roll out that BYU truck, that truck is state-of-the-art as good as any truck that rolls out for any event anywhere in the world. And BYU's television studios over here that we work out of, those studios are as good and as up-to-date and have as much technology as any place in the world. And BYU is committed as, a, as an institution um, to bring quality you know, quality to everything that it does. So we don't, we love being affiliated with it because what goes out there is a very professional top of the line quality product. And, and, and David runs all of that, puts all that together. Two things to hit before we uh, wrap up with this day in history and a great Lavelle Edwards quote, because that's how we roll here on the wise guys. Um, Back to Big 12 Media Day. I thought it was interesting because Steve Sarkeesian is mm-hmm. the football coach at Texas, and Texas is going to the SEC, uh, but not uh, until, what, 25. So they, they'll be in the league for two years with BYU. Right. And Steve Sarkeesian was asked at uh, Media Days about the Cougars. And this is what he said. He said, quote, I'm excited for BYU. That program's been through a little bit of an awkward change from being in the Mountain West and the WAC to being independent to now finding a home here in the Big 12. So I'm excited for BYU. I know a lot of people at the university, and Kalani Sataki and I were teammates at BYU, and I know they've got a big year ahead of them this year, and I'm sure they're looking forward to the future in the Big 12. I was happy to hear that. Yeah. Because Sark was so good when he was here, especially he was just here for the two years. His second year, he won, won the Cotton Bowl um, and went fourteen and one. 
and he's been to Alabama and, and now at Texas, and he's, he's had some bumps along the road, as we all have. Um, but when asked about BYU, he perked up because, well, that's where he came from. Yeah, and I th- he recognizes that. And Steve's been through a lot and on quite a journey from yeah. USC to Washington and now to Texas. And uh, and I think he's grateful to be there. I'm not so sure how grateful he is to be in the SEC. I'm certain that was great financially for Texas, but, man, I don't know. You go to it's compete, tough. You go compete in that league. That is the best league in college football. I think that's kind of why they're okay with sticking around for a couple more years. Because yeah. if they I, rolled in with this year's team, oh my goodness. they'd just go right toward yeah. the bottom. But in a couple of years, maybe they'll have it together under yeah, his. Hopefully. And, and that program should be great. They should be able to recruit. Um, their problem in recent years has been they get high-level recruits and they haven't developed them. So hopefully Steve is phenomenal coach. Great offensive mind can turn that around. He threw for over 3,400 yards and 20 touchdowns in 1995 and for over 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns in that 14-1 1996 season. I still uh, – Remember him throwing a touchdown pass and then looking over at the Kansas State sideline and gunning him down uh, with a big smile on his face. And uh, he was one of the first junior college transfer quarterbacks, if you remember. Lavelle didn't yeah, mess there, around there, with There that. hasn't been very many that have ever had success at BYU as a JC transfer. But, you know, they saw a void there and they brought Steve in. And I remember thinking his junior year, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he can do this. He physically has the skills. He seems like a leader. But, but I don't feel like he's understanding this offense, and it takes so long to understand it. Is he going to develop? But he was a quick study, and by the end of that year, I'll never forget the start of that Fresno State game Right. when I went, whoa, this dude, like, now he's seeing the field. The game is slow for him. He's was he 31 or 34 crazy. or something Yeah, I'm like going, that. okay, that, that's the start of something special. And then they came out and bookended that, that 1996 season with uh, Texas A&M at the beginning of the year. And a huge win, and then Kansas State at the end of the year in that Cotton Bowl finished fourteen and one, and uh, you know that's that's one of the all time great teams in BYU history. Now BYU loves to beat Texas, and they've had some success doing that. Is Sarkeesian as head coach? Does that temper that, or do or do we just charge right past it? You just charge right past right it. to Bevo. Yep, we just charge right to Bevo. Don't even care. <laughs> all right, uh, some basketball news and notes. Um, since we were last together, it's been announced that BYU's going to play Creighton. We knew they are playing in Vegas, but now we know they're playing at Mandalay Bay. I don't know if the Cougars have ever played at Mandalay Bay. I know they've been at MGM, they MGM and, that, and, and, and this the facility in Mandalay is very similar to that yeah, one. And plus they got the wave pool out yeah. back. It's one of our it's, favorite it's, properties. It's all good. We're, we're planning on going down. Um, Jeff Borzello uh, has, in his poll, has the, at them at number seven in the preseason. The Blue Jays. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. They, they beat uh, BYU by 12 last December in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which was a quasi-neutral, and that's why they're playing this one yep. in Vegas, which is a quasi-neutral. It's but not a quasi-neutral. When BYU plays in Vegas and Notre Dame doesn't control the tickets, it's a home game for BYU. Yeah. Maybe they didn't know that. But they had, it seemed like yeah, they, they had the BYU's crowd over tricked, there in BYU's tricked South a few Dakota. people into that. They've tricked <laughs> a few people into that. Fox College Hoops tweeted out a list of teams with the most wins without winning a national championship. I found this list to be quite interesting. It is really interesting. So number one is Temple with 1,962 wins without a national title. And then all of a sudden you get some blue bloods in there. Yeah, Notre Dame at number two with 1939. St. John's at three with 1904. Remember when St. John's was good all the time? Yeah. It's just like I. it's hard to think that these teams have – I can't believe Notre Dame hasn't won a national championship in basketball. 
Purdue is number four on the list. Illinois, number five. And they're sitting at number seven, tied with Texas, is BYU with 1,850 wins. And BYU hasn't been to a Final Four. The Elite Eight, 1981. Elite Eight with with Danny. We talked about Danny Ainge earlier. Danny Mm -hmm. Ainge and that squad in 1981 makes it to the Elite Eight, lose to Ralph Sampson in Virginia. But 1,850 wins without a national championship is number seven all time. All right, Coach Pope, if you're listening, that's that's where we're sitting. We're sitting I, tied with Tech. How about Texas? It, that's a surprise. Um, Notre Dame and Texas are the two on that list. I'm like, I, you know what? Never? Those teams never. It's interesting to me. All right, in our final few minutes, July 19th in history. I think we covered everything. Uh, yep. I, w- I was going to... I was going to ask you about what Brian Santiago said about um, if he had a vote, if he had a vote yeah, on take- whether or not to accept Utah in the Big 12. Um, I thought he had an interesting response. Yeah. He said it might not be popular with Cougar Nation. But he wants him in. Yeah. He, th- he thinks it's good for the state. It's good for both schools. And he said, uh, you know, contrary to common belief, the two athletic departments have a very good relationship with one another. And the actual schools have a better relationship than the athletic departments. Right. And so he says, I know people may not like to hear that but yeah and i think it'd be good i i'd support 100 percent byu and utah to be in the same league again yeah. yeah and you know there is some uh there's some stuff in that uh byu's taken a lot of stuff over the last 12 years and right they, there's part of the natural man that would go i'd just like to see you guys squirm for a while yeah i think they are squirming big time because they don't know really where they're going right now but uh once you get past that it's like hey it's thanksgiving right Let's. This game should be happening, and with Big Twelve ramifications. Yeah, that would and all be great of a sudden, if, you got something because it didn't seem like in the heyday of the rivalry that that the conference championship was on the line in that game every year. And the whack and the Mountain yep. West. Yep. And you know what? Just thinking ahead, if if they do join the Big Twelve, and maybe we'll hear something pretty quick on that. Maybe we won't. We'll find out. But if they do join the Big Twelve, Texas and Oklahoma are in it for twenty three and twenty four. Um, USC is going to go to the Big Ten in 24. The Utes, in theory, could be in the Big 12 in 24. Mm-hmm. And we could have a shot in the state of Utah to have Texas in Provo on a Saturday and Oklahoma in Salt Lake on a Saturday. How would that be? That would be like off the charts. It'd be pretty cool. Who in the world would envision that? And it's actually possible, depending on how the schedule makers yep. decide to punish uh, Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Something to think about as we as we move forward. All right. Ju- July nineteenth. The greatest thing about today is that that NFL camps are underway, and um, and now more each day are, are are combining. The Cougars will be together on the field here in a couple of weeks after further reviews next week. Um, we're in it now. You know, we're two weeks removed from the Fourth of July. Now we are in it, and uh, our summer has one summer, week left. Summer doldrums are over with. We're in it. So on this day in uh, on July nineteenth, let's go back to eighteen sixty. Okay, let's do eighteen sixty. Top of the list. The first railroad reaches Kansas. What do you think Kansas was like before that railroad? The Great Western Frontier. <laughs> so the railroad reached Kansas. Uh, eighteen seventy eight. Women's suffrage movement begins with the Seneca Falls Conference. That changed the world. Eighteen seventy eight. Yeah. Wow. So nineteen hundred. What? The first line of the Paris Metro opened up. 1900. 1900. They started zipping around. That's wild. In Europe. That's how they roll over there. So 1941, near and dear to me, 
the first Tom and Jerry cartoon, the Midnight Stack, is hit, hits. <laughs> it hits, seems like hits Midnight Stack is an appropriate. I'm sure Tom and it Jerry. was. Uh, let's see. Tom was the cat, right? Or mm-hmm. was Jerry the cat? Tom was the cat, so Jerry was probably trying to get a midnight snack. Tom's the cat, Jerry's the mouse. Yeah, and then Tom's getting in his way. Yep. And Tom wants Jerry for a midnight snack. 1941. Tom and Jerry's still funny. How about 1980? The Summer Olympics in Moscow begin on this day with the United States and 65 countries boycotting the games because of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. How about that? 1980 today. Wow. I, this next one I thought was intriguing. I remember watching this on SportsCenter. Oh, that's right. 1994. The first baseball game is canceled at Seattle's Kingdom because of falling tiles. Yeah, they they fell all the way off the roof. I just as I was studying this, I thought I've seen that. I remember them going games canceled and they'd show stuff falling off the roof. It's not a good situation. You can't play through that. Uh, On this day in 1996, the Summer Olympics in Atlanta. That's right. Begin. That was another eventful, you know, period for. For the Olympics, the boycott in Russia in 80 and Atlanta in, in 96. All right, birthdays today. Yeah, birthdays. 1876, Joseph Fielding Smith, born July 19th, 1876, the 10th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was born. Uh, 1962, Anthony Edwards, talk to me, Goose, born today. Is that right? Yeah, how about that? All right, 1971, Vitaly Klitschko. Only heavyweight terrain is champion in three different decades. Also the mayor of Kiev. Big Russian buck. Yeah, Big Russian him. heavyweight. Oh, yeah. Klitschko. How about Dr. Strange, 1976, born on this day? Benedict Cumberbatch. That's right. Did you see that, Dr. Strange? I haven't born? seen the newest one. That's weird. They're all weird. Yeah, but this one's a little more weird. I didn't really like this one. How can it be weirder? I, it, it, trust me, it's weirder. Okay. I fast-forwarded through a lot of it, but that's, a, that's Dr. Strange. And how about the movie? So, yeah, the, in 2011... Captain Avenger, the first Avenger premieres in Los Angeles, 2011. Doesn't feel like Captain America was like forever ago. That's a ele- that is eleven years. Think of all the Marvel movies they yeah, put out. Yeah, that is eleven years there. ago. I know Marvel comes out every six months now. So yeah. all right, so first Avenger premiering in L.A. today, back in 2011. We got an awesome quote from Lavelle. Prior to the 1981 football season, he was asked about whether or not BYU was running up the score on opponents. Blaine, you were probably part of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's what he said. I wanted to run him up, but, <laughs> but here's what Coach said. Do we run up the score? Well, I don't think so, but I already have my speech prepared for the next WAC coaches meeting. I'm going to ask all the coaches whether they thought we ran up the score, then point my finger at Doug Scoville, the new San Diego coach, and say it was all his fault, and now they can take it out on him. <laughs> I, can see, I can see Lavelle saying that. In the room, laughing, Scoville had just become the head coach of San Diego State after yep. being Jim and your offensive coordinator. Hey, think about that. So, so Doug goes to San Diego State as head coach. Ted Toner takes over for Doug. Then Ted ends up going on to be head guy at San Diego State and, and a head USC. coach at USC. Yeah. Mike Holmgren replaces those guys. Um, and Mike goes on it worked out for him. to be the quarterback's coach of the Niners, the coordinator at the Niners, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and then the head coach and president of the Seattle uh, Seahawks. And Norm Chow was interwoven amongst all of those, who then goes on to win a couple of national championships as the offensive coordinator at USC and become the head coach at Hawaii. I mean, it's just... How about that? That was a... We talk about the quarterback run. How about the coaching run uh, during that period of time? And unfortunately, Doug 
passed away unexpectedly. He had a heart attack at a way young age when he was the Eagles offense coach, coordinator right? and quarterbacks coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, and now here we have Aaron Roderick, and that position is coming back to life. That's right. He's an outstanding offensive mind, and and he's twenty one and four in his last twenty five games. Oh, and he's and he's running. I'll, we talk, I and mean, he's running a lot of the same exact concepts that Doug Scoville and all of those names I just mentioned uh, injected into this BYU offense. He Aaron honors the history, and, and, and what they run right now is built on that history. Special thanks to Governor Gary Herbert, the 17th governor of the state of Utah, and David Phillips, BYU TV sports coordinating producer, our guests tonight. Next week, Max Hall and Harvey Unga. The winningest quarterback all-time at BYU. And I think Harvey's number two in rushing. When he left, he was the all-time leading rusher. And then, yeah, and then Jamal moved ahead of him. And Algier was on track but didn't quite get there because That's right. he That's right. He he left early. Down. Left early. Remember, after further review, season premiere is next Tuesday on the BYU TV app at 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain with Algier's run into history. We go game by game as he caught up and passed Luke Staley in a dramatic season. That's followed by the wise guys at wiseguys.com again with Max and with Harvey. Uh, Harvey will kind of shed some light in the replacing Algier. Right. But we really wanted to get uh, into his head with Algier trying to make the Falcons. He reported to camp today. He's going to make the Falcons, but make an impact on the Falcons. What Harvey thinks about his chances. Yeah, that'll be great. It's going to be a great show next week. Come, just hang out for three hours with us next Tuesday night. That'd yeah. be great. Do we go three hours? We, oh, yeah. Well, well, if, we could if, do three if, and then some change. If they watch after AFR further and, then, and this. Yep. It's Super Tuesday. Come hang with us. Have a great week. And the podcast will be up tomorrow. Uh, and you can listen to it anytime. Tell your friends. And remember, get on Twitch. It's for free. And then you can stream with us. We appreciate everybody saying hello to us. And uh, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And we haven't even had any games yet. Just imagine when we're in the middle of the season. It's going to be We fun. just played Notre Dame, and we're playing Arkansas. And what that conversation will be like with, with Cougar fans around the world. It's going to be so fun. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. For Blaine, I'm Dave. We'll see you later. It's the money.